gentlemen, welcome to our podcast, for which we now have a name. Ooh. Gentlemen, welcome. My name is Jake Spear, and as always, joining me, Double O Darby Deck. Hello. And Commander Brandon McClelland. Reporting for duty. Gents, we have laboured for seven long episodes now, without a name. Six. Six. This, six. Is seventh, this is the seventh. But... Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. This right. is our seventh episode. Yeah. So six without a name, right. one without a name. You just what? worded it strangely. Oh, all right, all right. <laughs> Jesus. We have a name. We have a name. We do. Shall we say it uh, all together? On uh, three, a two, a one. Traybond. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. We will be calling the podcast Trey Bond. Of course, you already know this because that's how you found us and you've been listening to us all this time. But we didn't known know it. as Trey Bond, but until this you, moment... You knew it before we knew we'd, it. Exactly. Yeah. Time travel. That's right. Yeah, seven weeks we've been doing this and we couldn't think of a name, but this week we thought of it. We've been tossing it around. It's, it, you know, we've... But it's, it's the one good. that's stuck. Yeah, it's good. It's something that we've been saying casually in conversation, maybe not so much in the podcast, but outside no. of it. Mm. Yeah, I uh, think it is très bon. Yeah, it's very good. Très bon, and it's got a kind of a, a double meaning. There's a bit of a pun there, which is very suitable for Bond because most of the Bond girls have very punny names. So we thought this might be an interesting way to do it, rather than saying something like Bond down under or. Bond Oz or... All of which were floated. They were floated. <laughs> and very and quickly dismissed. <laughs> but Sorry yes. to the Down Under Bond podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. There is a James Bond Down Under on Instagram, which is a fantastic Instagram They've got their channel. own thing going on. But we are slightly we different and uh, we're Trey Bond. We are. We so are. welcome. Very good. Brandon. Yes. Our mission today for episode... 007? 007. Oh, no way. Yes. <laughs> Our mission today, gentlemen, is 1964's Goldfinger. Goldfinger. <laughs> yes, a it's film. a classic. It's a great It's a classic. Film. This Oof. is, uh, for a lot of people, this is Mecca. Wow. I can see why. I can see I why can't it's... because I know absolutely nothing about this film yeah. at all. Nothing at all. Apart from the theme song. I'm very excited to revisit Mr. Sean Connery Mm. in this venture. It's been been a while. while. Since our first step. So, yeah, since episode one. And I think uh, I'll see him in a whole new light, given all the films we've seen. I think I've got a pretty good idea now of what I'm looking for in a Bond film. Yeah. I think I've got a pretty strict, not strict criteria, but I've just got a really good idea of what a Bond film is now. And mm. I think that's helping me measure things. Right. What about you? Do you think you've um, you've got it figured out your tastes now, I, six films in? I don't think I do, to be honest. Really? I don't think I do. I thought I did coming we've into seen, this. We've seen two Brosnans. And uh, yeah. we, <laughs> I think we've seen... Look, who knows? But I think we've seen... The worst film in the franchise. Yeah. Which was last episode. That was Dino Day. Dino Day. 
and I've erased that from my memory. <laughs> <laughs> because you you did say, I think, in the Goldeneye episode that Brosnan was kind of your perfect bond. My bond, and... yeah, yeah. And look, I, I I'll say it, I'll say it holds true still, but I have doubts. I have insecurities. Mm. I'm sorry, Pierce. He he still is. I think you know when you say Bond, I think I think Pierce. And look, going off Goldeneye, which I gave a ten for, um, it's fabulous. It's fabulous. But look, I'm getting to the point now where I think your Bond, and you might have touched on this too a little bit, Darbs, where it's like your Bond is a bit of an amalgamation of all of them mm-hmm. in a weird way. It's like maybe. I think Pierce is a is a clear front runner for me. Uh, he encapsulates quite a lot of the elements that I love. But the character's now bigger than the actor. But that's right. Mm. That's right. Bond goes beyond the actors that play him, and mm. we go away and create our own sort of Bond with a bit of Connery and a bit of Moore and, and a bit of Pierce, and maybe even a bit from the from the novels. And you kind of dream up your own version of him. So. I don't know. I and think... I think there's a bit of yourself kind of put into well, him yeah. as well. Yeah. I think that's that's the. You kind of want to see yourself out yeah, there in yeah. the suit fighting <laughs> the bad guys, don't <laughs> yeah. you? I want to a bit of myself in him. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Oh. Where are the senses this week? Naughty, naughty. <laughs> well, here's one for you. Mm-hmm. Lee Tamahori walks into a cafe. And I'm sitting alone at a table in the corner of this little cafe eating a delicious lemon meringue tart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do love a good lemon meringue tart. And Lee spots me sitting by myself. So instead of going over and ordering his coffee, he comes over and sits down at my table and he says, Oh, g'day, Jake. Look, I'm such a big fan of the Trey Bond podcast with you, Brandon and Darby. Oh, I think it's absolutely fantastic. Ooh. He hasn't listened to episode six. <laughs> And I say, oh, thanks, Lee. Oh, that really means a lot. And I've got a lot of respect for Lee because he made a really great film called Once Were Warriors. <laughs> do the Kiwi accent. So yeah, I can't do a good Kiwi Come on, accent. it's Lee Tamahori. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. That's right, bro. Come on. So so I say... Just think of Reese Starby. <laughs> <laughs> so I say, Lee, what's your favourite segment on the show? And he says, oh, my favourite segment is fact check. <laughs> Check is just brilliant. It's I ace. Can't, I can't wait to hear you fact check my Bond film, Die Another Day. <laughs> and, and, I, and I gently put down my spoon. Full of, you didn't establish the spoon. Full of yeah, lemon meringue. Oh, full okay. of meringue and lemon curd. Back on the little small plate next to my half-eaten tart. And I look to Lee. I look him in the eye and I say, You know, Lee... Let me tell you something about the fact check segment of the show. Fact check is dedicated to checking the facts of Bond films. Now you're never going to hear a fact check segment on your film Die Another Day because the film you made isn't a Bond film. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, it's fact check. Oh. Fact check with a secret little bribe. <laughs> yeah. The opinions stated within this podcast are representative of the individuals, not of Trey Bond or the United States of Kensington. <laughs> but Die Another Day sucks. So, with that, I apologise to you, dear friends and dear listeners, our dedicated listeners, hanging on bated breath for fact check. But 
What if there's no facts that, uh, what if there's facts that have gone unchecked, you might say? Well, I say I am showing the same complete and utter disregard for fact checks as Lee Temahori has shown for the Bond franchise. Oh. There is no fact check today. Oh my what? God. And that, as we say, is fact check. That's a fact check. But it's not. Wow. That was the laptop lid closing. That's a big, bold statement <laughs> for Diane Hart. You should probably have cleared this with us first. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm happy to allow it. If anyone wants to fact check us themselves, oh. if there's anyone with real bugbears about our uh, <laughs> Die Another Day podcast, please contact us on Instagram oh. or Twitter or Facebook. Lee calling. <laughs> and, and, in Jake's defence, it would have been impossible to, to centre in on any facts because it no, was mostly it was a rant. uh, ranting <laughs> opinion. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. So there you go. There you go. There we are. Well, I guess then, we, it's kind of interesting mm. the way that the, the dice uh, have fallen and on they this have. podcast. Yes. Um, we've gone from arguably the worst Bond film, arguably. Mm-hmm. I think we would all settle on that being the case, particularly of the films that you both have seen. Yeah. For me, it's hands down the weakest. We're now moving on for this episode to... What I think a lot of people think is the gold standard mm-hmm. of uh, Bond films. So, preconceived notions. Yeah. Darby, you've seen this, and Jake, you haven't. That's correct. I, of course, have yours. seen it. So, Jake, I'm going to go to your preconceived notions. because you If you've been... prepared one. Yeah. <laughs> or do you want to skip that, I... too? Right, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, right, right. No, I'm, I'm never guy. short of... <laughs> I'm never short of preconceived notions. I love... I love good uh, preconceived notions. Mm. I think, look, from what people say on the street through the grapevine, is that this on is the grapevine through the internet. Certainly, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Come on, Jack. Uh, <laughs> I know, I'm slipping. I think this is going to be incredible. I think Sean's probably going to be at the top of his game. He's going to be in the groove by now. This is what his fourth. Third. Fourth. Third. Third film, okay. Um, I only learnt today that it's some of it, at least, is set in Kentucky. Yeah. Uh huh. I have I have been quoted um, in the past about my um, hesitancies towards Bond in America. But what does the name Fort Knox mean to you? Oh. Oh. Mm. All right. Well, if it's going to be a bit of a heisty kind of film, then Ooh, it's definitely going to be a heisty oh, no, kind of film. I love a good heist. Bond past heist. Oh, what? Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> I look. I, I really don't know what to expect. I I think Sean's yeah. I think Sean's going to be great. <sighs> I don't even. I don't know. I don't know what the game. Okay. Be. I I I've got to ask you this. You don't know the henchman. The only. The only touchstone I have for this film outside of the song is that, and I think this is from Goldfinger, I don't even know, it might be from Man with the Golden Gun, I don't know, is a quite large red-headed man sitting by the side of a pool with an earpiece. Oh yeah, that's Goldfinger. Goldfinger. (laughs) (laughs) And that is all I've got, folks. Really? That's it. You've... 
Maybe I've picked up on other images and not okay, known they were gold fingers. I don't want to spoil anything yeah, no, here because not. I don't think I've met anyone that's not known the tropes of Goldfinger. Because no, I would say that Goldfinger is the most kind of homaged and parodied of the Bond films. It is. Absolutely. Second only... Uh, not second. The closest to that would be You Only Live Twice. Yeah, you'll watch this and every scene you'll pretty much go... Yeah. Oh, Simpsons did that. Or, Futurama did that. Yeah, exactly. Family Guy did that. Oh, such and such did that. Oh, Bond even has homaged that. Huh. Wow. Well, I mean, I'm a blank you don't know the, Do you know the car? Do you know which car no. is in this? Wow, no. wow, wow. Oh, my goodness. Well, wow. we can't say too much in our preconceived notions, just to preserve... Well, well I don't want to spoil it, yeah. yeah. But what are your... In terms of... Um, I guess what, what are... I guess I don't have so much preconceived notions, but... Uh, I, know this, this I know this film really times. well. Yeah. I love this movie. Yeah. Um, this is the gold standard of Bond. And now that, as I said it at the top of the podcast I think I've got a better sense of what I want I think Bond should be what a Bond film should be and thinking about this movie it does it all and and I think what I'm most interested to see is because Dr. No was um, it was at a, made at a time when editing and, and cinematography hadn't quite gotten to the point where we were seeing in the later in the seventies Bond films, I think there's a big gap there, and so some of the edits were a little bit sloppy. I think we noted at the time. Mm-hmm. So I want to see how far they got in just those few years. How much more slick and and yeah, kind when, of, only two years later. Yeah, and rehearsed, and and whether they really arrived at that visual formula as well as the storytelling formula and character formula, and yeah. So this will be a bit of a contextual um, reorientation. Ooh, I think big words. <laughs> the, when when people talk about Goldfinger, um, particularly people older than us, mm-hmm. uh, this is the film that is kind of uh, given as the touchstone uh, for the Bond formula. Right. That this is the first one that kind of when when even people who aren't really familiar with Bond films. They kind of reference tropes that were established in this film. Hmm. I think older generations in particular kind of go, this is the one that caused Bond mania. Yes. Um, And and I think Saltzman and Broccoli themselves were pretty open in admitting that for a lot of the films, they were trying to recapture the gold finger Whatever it effect. was. Effect. Ah, whatever yeah, that, okay. yeah. In, uh, intangible, I guess, mm-hmm. is the, yeah. the word. Um, it's the first film directed by Guy Hamilton. Oh, my man, oh, Guy Hamilton. Who directed uh, episode Live three, and Live and Let Die. die. Um, this is his first. It's Connery. Uh, this is a film that I don't have anything bad to say about it. Mm-hmm. But my preconceived notion is is that I know that it is one of the most beloved of the of the franchise, and quite frequently tops most people's best of lists. Right. I don't think it's ever topped my list. Okay, but it's up there, right? I, it's definitely up there. It's top ten for sure. Not top five. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Okay. 
Um, well, I think the thing is about, and that's why I say it's a contextual reorientation for me, hmm. is because as you said, um, you know, they, they kind of found the formula and they tried to recapture that for years. So they were given the opportunity to hone it, but this was the first time they really did it. You know, so yes. I think it, it deserves a bit of extra attention in that regard. Yeah, and and I've got to say, I think of all the films we could have watched after Die Another Day, <laughs> this is the best palate cleanser yeah. for that. <laughs> this yes. will get us back on track. Because my memories of Goldfinger are all positive, and they're they're all positive enough to be like, Stick with this because mm. this franchise can really deliver mm. when it hits the right notes. Mm. I don't think there is a bung note in Goldfinger from memory, but I could be proven wrong. So here's a question. Yeah. M- maybe it's too difficult um, to avoid spoilers, but you've said it's the gold standard, people's top film. What about this film makes it the gold standard? Well, I'll, I'll answer before you, Dabs. Um, pre-title sequence, iconic. Title song, iconic. Title sequence, iconic. Henchman, iconic. Uh, Bond, iconic. Villain, iconic. <laughs> Bond girls, definitely iconic. Wow. Um... What else is there to say? Script and story, bloody pretty good. I mean, some of the lines in this are, again, iconic. iconic. Everything about this film. Well made? Uh, well, that's what I'm interested to see. I'm sure if Guy Hamilton's at the helm, then mm. I will almost guarantee it because he struck me as a genius. You have said in the past you cannot forgive bad filmmaking. That's bad right. Bad storytelling. Yeah. So, But, well, I think that's the thing is that this was a bit of a, um, a coming of age for Bond. Yes. in a lot of ways so I think that's the sort of what was the question you asked? what about this film makes it the gold standard? yeah I think it's that element that it, that it, it asserts itself I am this mm. and I think I think that's maybe that un, intangible unspoken thing that just kind of courses through the film is that confidence and insurance that it's 1965 we're three films in we're historically important people love this guy people love these stories Let's keep making them. It's a bit of a celebration of itself and, a, and an understanding of itself, and that must, in some way, come through. Feed into the magic of it. Yeah. This, this is the film. <clears throat> the, the, the Doctor No and from Russia with Love were very popular and very successful films. Absolutely. But Goldfinger <laughs> was a smash mm. hit. Right. I mean, the world hadn't really seen a film like this before. And I've read essays and articles kind of um, interrogating this film and its effect that it had. And a lot of people say that Goldfinger is the birth of the blockbuster. Mm. That it was... I mean, you'd had massive films like Gone with the Wind and such before. Sure, sure. But that this was the first of the the action blockbuster. Mm. You went to see... Oh, I just want to see that again. Wow. You know, which kind of, you know... I think the Bond films, uh, I mean, they, they are those, aren't they? They're yeah. blockbusters, you know, and that's what we go to see. We go to see amazing action and great, interesting characters and beautiful women and beautiful locations and blah, blah, blah. Mm. I think Goldfinger really sets the, the tone. 
Is it my favourite Connery? I don't know. I'm actually interested to see as we go through all these films which of these is my favourite because Connery is the hardest for me to pin down. He's so consistent is the thing. He's so consistent. Well, he's so consistent to a point. Mm. I would say that his last two films, You Only Live Twice and Diamonds Are Forever, are... very different. Yeah. Right. As Diamonds a film, in, or he's very different? He is very different, and the films are very different. You only live twice less so than Diamonds. But I don't think I dislike any of the Connery films. It's hard, it's hard. But I wonder if Goldfinger is my favourite. Then there are other days where I'm like, it's From Russia With Love, my favourite. Is Thunderball my favourite? Mm. I'm really, really bloody excited for this. And I cannot wait to gauge your reaction to Jake. Oh, I can't wait till he sees the... uh, Oh, yes, yeah, yes, yes. yes. (laughs) As you've spoken about this before, I remember. When are we seeing this particular... Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Mm. Oh, we'll touch on that once we come back. Oh, all of this secrets. This is, yeah... I, I wonder how we'll go with this. I, I think mm. we'll have a great time. That's my preconceived notion. Good. We'll have a great time. Whether or not it's a top three or a five or a ten, I'm not sure. I'm going to say my preconceived notion is that it's definitely shaken. Oh, yeah. Right. But I, to which degree, I'm not sure. Mm. Well, I guess it's time, gentlemen, mm. to pop in the Blu-ray of 1964's Goldfinger! Well, gentlemen, we have just seen 1964's Goldfinger... How are we feeling? Very good. Very good. Yes. Nice to be back in the land of Sean. It is, isn't it? Mm. It really is. Mm. It's a... There is a vibe about his films... Yeah. ...that the others don't really have. Yeah, he's very confident. Yeah. (laughs) But, But... the films themselves... I mean, we've only seen two. Dr. No and, and no, Goldfinger. No, you're right. But they are different. There is, yeah. There's an, yeah. a, 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 an element to it. Is it the mm. 60s, do you think? I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. Mm, I think that's a big part of it. I think the fact that he's a first is a big part of it as well. Very true. Very mm. true. He's not responding to anything. Yeah, he's leading. Mm. He's leading, isn't mm. he? Jake, you had never seen this film. Did it live up to expectations? Did it defy expectations? Did it fall short of your expectations? Um, look, I, I, I think this is all reactionary. It's all first, you know, we've only just, you know, the credits were still scrolling only a few moments ago. So it's all yeah. it's all new. I think I'm going to need a bit of time to sit with, um, with Goldfinger. It wasn't... I don't look. I don't know. It wasn't no a, holds barred. A, a Say jump what up you and feel. down. It wasn't a jump up and down Bond film. Mm. You know, um, which I'm very partial to. Um, I and saw it with Live and Let Die. I I saw it with Goldeneye. The Living Daylights. 
Yeah, there were moments. In, yeah, there were definitely extent, moments yeah. in the Living Daylight for sure, where you know I like to be jumping up and down and screaming, going, "Oh my god, how did they do that? Oh my god, that's fantastic!" There were a couple of moments in Goldfinger where I did say that. Well, then you got what you wanted. But, well, but that, what are you <laughs> so what are you about? complaining what are you about? about? <laughs> Just shut up. Um, it's a different kind of Bond film. Yeah, it is. And I think it's a different kind of Sean. When it look, it's been a while since we've seen him. Yeah. I don't have much experience with him. It's my second date with Connery. It is your second date. That is very true. Um, it's Look, things went well on the second date. <laughs> he dressed up. Mm-hmm. But he was different. And I picked up on it straight away. He felt different. He felt... You mean from the other Bonds or from him? From himself. He felt right. different to Dr. No. He felt more serious. Mm. More serious. Yeah, and that's not to say that I think that Sean's, you know, ever one to overplay or, or, or play for a gag, or he's certainly not the light-hearted Bond. But it was very... And when it first opened, um, he was he was underplaying a lot of the dialogue. And, I, and, and, we, and someone said, oh, he is a really strong actor. Oh, uh, yeah, I, he I is, remember he, you know, pretty early on. Pretty early that, on. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Look, yeah, it didn't have the thrills. It didn't have the thrills. I didn't feel thrilled. Mm. But I was I was in it and I thought it was really I thought it was really strong. I don't know I don't know whether it's fair to say it left me cold. I don't think it left me cold. I don't know. It but hasn't grabbed you. It definitely hasn't grabbed me. It's not an instant and it's nor, not an instant. Nor did Doctor so. No, really, did it? Although you did rate that fairly highly. Do you think Doctor No grabbed you more than this? Without uh, overanalyzing yeah, without it, in over terms of reaction. gut instinct, which grabbed you more? Which would you be more likely to put on? Maybe Doctor No. Really? Maybe. I see what you mean about it being less um, thrilling. I think I agree with that. I didn't realise it until you said it. Less thrilling than Doctor No or the films oh, no, that we've seen. Films that we've seen. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. I like I like it's a thrilling the, Bond. Film. It's on the same it's on the same wavelength as Doctor No in terms of I think level of enjoyment and a general kind of adrenaline and pacing. Hmm. But um yeah, it's more of a quiet thriller, I think. Yeah. I I found many of the scenes quite exciting. Yeah. But um you're right, I think the living daylights really got me amped like I was inspired by the filmmaking I was inspired by the performance I was inspired by the story direction maybe it's because I haven't seen this one I mean because I've seen this one um, quite a few times Yeah. yeah but yeah that sense of excitement was maybe missing but having said that I really enjoyed it again like I yeah. love this movie it's... yeah I, it's funny I going into this I, I didn't want to say this in the uh, in the preamble, yeah. but I have never had that strong a reaction to Goldfinger. It was a bit silly in places. Yeah, mm. uh, but my my reaction has always been, it's the one that I feel like I should love mm. more than I do, mm. particularly right. with the kind of hushed revered, you know, reverent tones yeah. that people kind of talk about this film. Mm, mm-hmm. What I will say is that watching it tonight, that's the most I've enjoyed Goldfinger in 
any viewing I've had of it. Yeah, wow. it's it's very much. I mean, trying to to see it in that kind of contextual, mm. you know, first of its kind. I kept trying to bring myself back to that point. Yeah, and I think where it pushed the envelope more than anything else was its use of music. Mm. My yeah, goodness, very John present. Barrett. Oh very my present. goodness, it was fantastic. Mm. But um, I didn't think it was particularly. I guess it was new for Bond. Mm. The, the the constructs of the scenes themselves weren't anything particularly new. Maybe it was the fact that it was the formula, the the kind of approach. New as for a, you, do you mean? Or because they feel cinema. they feel well. I I would say they are new for not in terms of um, what the camera's doing. Oh, I I see. I yeah. See. I think, you know, it's definitely, you know, set design, um, approach to story, you, the, the general kind of action blockbuster, if we, as yes, we've mentioned. Yes. But in terms of the actual technical aspects, it's not actually doing anything that, yeah, revel- it's not pushing the envelope, I don't think. Maybe it is right. for, act- for the action. I'm trying, can, can you think of an example that was quite impressive? Yeah. Uh, not really, no, not compared actually. to yeah. some of the other films where we go, they did it for real. How st- you know? Th- there's not for- a stunt. In no, this. no, there are stunts, but there's but- not that flagship. There's not a dam jump. Mm. There's you know. Yeah. There's there's not a boat chase sequence. There's I not think a that's what the fight 60s hanging out of a missing. The, the, yeah, only, the only one that really stands out to me is the the, the odd job <laughs> fight. Yes, that was. But it's a bit naff. It is a bit naff. Oh, okay. It's I, like, I actually it's found called... it less naff. Right. It, it's funny because I'm watching this going... I've had previous viewings of this film where I'm like, eh, it's mm. good. It's not a bad Bond film. It's no. Not, in no, no way no, is it a bad Bond film. It's I want to get that out of the way. I think it's a really, really, really good Bond film and it's yeah. bloody enjoyable to watch. Yeah. But it... Doesn't kind of like you said just then. It doesn't have a damn jump. Mm. It doesn't have a the boat chase from Live and Let Die or or the airplane stunt at the end of Living Daylights. It mm. kind of, I mean, it's so much better than the film we just watched. It's so much better than Die oh Another Day. God, I mean, for, uh, maybe that's coloring my view of this. Is that I've seen the worst of Bond, mm. and now I've kind of gone to the. I don't know, the template. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, watching it today, I was like, gold fling, Goldfinger, <laughs> Goldfinger, Goldfinger, is, it's the, it's the perfect first um, kind of published version of the template. Right. And I think they go on to perfect it in subsequent films. I think we were talking about that in the preamble. We've, I think we might have been, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the fact that, you know, this is the... It, it owes, it's owed a bit of credit that it did develop the template here. Yeah. But it also didn't develop the template here. It had two films to try things out. You know, it's all one big conversation. Yeah. But this was where it maybe appeared fully formed. I, I yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, it's... I, mean, I feel like I should love this film mm-hmm. more than I actually do. Yep. Mm. That's not to say that I do not enjoy it or, yep. or that I think it's not, you know, up to par. Yep. There's some fantastic sequences in this. The golf uh, the golf oh, uh, love scene at Stoke Poges. Mm. That's brilliant. Yeah. It's really good writing. I love 
Bond and Goldfinger's scenes together. Yeah. I think everything that they have together is is really, really kind of pitch perfect. I think what it's missing structurally compared to the later films, and correct me if I'm wrong, I might just be misremembering, but that idea of the double climax, the, fir- oh, yeah. the first defeat and then the second. You know, that you think the threat is defeated, but it reappears again and needs to be thwarted one last time. Yeah, I think there's a it's bit of that in From Russia. Yeah, but maybe it's in this it's just kind of wrapping up a little too neatly and there's no twist. Maybe, maybe is, is, is the twist maybe Goldfinger the appearing again on the plane? I, think I guess it's so. meant to be. Yeah. yeah, that's why I thought... Yeah, it's maybe a little... It's maybe it's not quite luster. Ro- maybe it is. Maybe that's why you let there's that slight residue. You said you don't want to call it. You know, it hasn't left you cold. No, no. But just that maybe. I I, I, te- I mean the double climax tends to make me feel that way anyway. I've always kind of felt oh it's over. Let's wrap it up. But it's something that blockbusters do now. Yeah. And mm. they've been doing for a while. Yeah, I don't know. It did. I don't have a kind of a dot on that. Yeah. An underline on that thought, but just something I thought. Yeah, was. yeah. Mm. It didn't satisfy me as much as I thought it would. It wasn't as much fun as I thought it was. Yeah, right. Mm. You, you. I guess we we always start this off. We're talking about. We should talk about the bond. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, something, and I could be wrong in terms of how I've perceived your reaction to him. Yep. Connery doesn't seem to do it as much for you, Jake, in terms of. I mean, you originally called him a bit thuggish. Yes. Which I was really <laughs> taken aback by. But something you kept saying throughout this viewing was that he's very serious. Hmm. What, what, what is your take on Bond in, in Goldfinger? Um, how does he kind of... How does this portrayal of Bond kind of stack up with the other six that we've seen so far? I think this Bond in Goldfinger... Is look, I think he's very stylish. It's a very stylish Bond. It's hard. He is capable. He's doing a lot of great spy shit. Look, I love the staking out and the slinking around all of the um, all of Goldfinger's facilities and things like that. But uh, I don't know. There's just there just seems to be something missing, and I'm not asking him to be. You know, more tongue-in-cheek, more kind of self-aware or, you know, with all of the one-liners. Because there is some, there's some one-liners in there. I had a good little chuckle. Some iconic one-liners in oh, this one. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's what surprised me a lot, too. It's like, <gasps> and you guys talked about it, too. It's like, odd jobs there. Yeah. Pussy galore's there. The mm. car is there. Like, all of these, you know, the, the scene with the laser is yeah. there. Yeah. All of these really iconic elements. But, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of felt like it was hitting a bit of a ceiling for me. And Look, and we'll probably touch on a little bit more, but a contextual viewing. There were a few uncomfortable moments that, oh, were, yeah. that were hard yeah. to ignore. The the barn. Uh, yeah. I think it, we should get that out of the way now. Yeah. that that's It's not good. Yeah. <laughs> that that's, same with, does not with Bond and, and, and Pussy in the, uh, in the barn, definitely kind yeah. of. And well, and I will say I'm enjoying that scene up until that final moment where she's got her hands around his neck and he's really pushing himself down. Because before that, there's the kind of there's the back and forth 
that they are both each other's physical equal. Yeah. You know, yeah. she flips him and he yeah, flips her. Yeah, everything. Neither can kind of get the upper hand. And then it's that moment of him kind of forcing himself onto her with the kiss. Mm. Which is... Um, it's just not good. No. It's not good. And then trying to save it by having her kind of give in give to in, it. And yeah. like, oh yeah, I do want this. Particularly like a, a because it second. seems like they're building her up to earlier in the that. film. I would, uh, maybe I'm reading into this a bit much, that she's a lesbian. Sure. Her f- one of her first lines to Bond is, you can turn off the charm. I'm immune. Yeah. And I've always taken that to be like, I don't, I don't swing that way, Bond. Yeah. Too bad. And, I mean, it would probably be a bit too much to ask for a 1964 film to kind of interrogate that. Maybe. Um, but I would love to see that. Yeah. Where we have one of the Bond girls or Bond women, however you, you know, whatever term you prefer. Yeah. Um, to kind of have them be like, I'm not interested in you sexually. That's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. And have it not happen. And have it not happen. Yeah. Quantum of Solace. Quantum of Solace has that, yes. Mm. And that's actually one of the things... I'm a big defender of Quantum of Solace. I don't know if I've said that on the podcast yet, but mm. I actually... Quantum of Solace has a... I've got a real soft spot for that. And I think Quantum of Solace is the only Bond film that does it where he doesn't consummate that, um, that relationship right. with his um, lead Bond girl. Hmm. Did you prefer Connery's Bond in this or Dr. No? I think I was... I think I was more um, warmed to him in Dr. No. This, I don't know. Look, I said it before, the film hasn't really left me cold, but maybe Connery's left me a bit cold. Oh, really? Maybe there's an element to, to him that I'm just like, oh, I, can't, I just can't connect with him. I can appreciate the man's style and I can appreciate the man's physicality and capability as Bond, but there's, we, we only go so far. Mm. I can't really connect to him. I almost I feel like there's the, walls that are up. These 60s Bonds are outside of our sphere, if that makes sense. Maybe. I, I think that Live and Let Die was, what, 70... Uh, 74? 73. 73. It feels way more modern than this movie yeah. uh, in its approach. And nearly I, 10 years. Nearly uh, 10 years. Yeah, I think there's, there's just something between, between the 60s and 70s that happened maybe in the style of storytelling mm. but we're more kind of related to that 70s onward and I think that 60s is just maybe a little bit too far for us as film goers. I'm not sure. Maybe. I mean, I love old movies, you know. Yeah. But potentially just for that level of connection, that's right. Relatability, or you know, what it's asking of me, maybe. Mm, Maybe. Mm. Did you have the same uncomfortability with uh, his seduction of uh, Jill Masterson Uh, in Miami? You know, when she's spying on the. uh, Yeah, she's playing Auric Goldfinger's spy at the bridge game, or whatever. It happens really fast. It's very quick. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very quick. Yeah. He's a little bit he's a little bit uh creepy in that scene. Oh, you felt just creepy. A, I mean she, she seemed it seemed reciprocal, but yeah, but which just me viewing him 
as a person. I thought it was a bit creepy. Yeah. Just oh, be, really? being there when she she raised up and like he had his face in her hair or something and just took a big sniff of her. That's oh, it. did he? I don't remember that. CD vibes to me. Oh, yes. Yeah, I remember his face being very close to her. Yeah, well, he yeah. pulls her up to her. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I thought was a great choice. Yes. I think, you know, yeah. I know there's a part before that, though, I think. Right. Where she leans forward or whatever and he's like, yeah. Yeah. Oh. No, I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I think be because wrong. it is a little bit more reciprocated. Yeah. It's probably not as cringy for me. Yeah. But it does happen very fast. Mm. And yeah, I think this I think this film maybe more than any, although certainly Pierce and Die Another Day was a bit gross. sleazy and gross. Yeah. But I don't think it gets worse than that. I, no, I, no. But there's an element to this where I was aware mm. of Bond's I don't know. I'm not gonna, I don't want to say sleaze, but it, it, there was a few... womanising aspects. Yeah, 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 I don't know. You want him... Uh, uh, maybe I'm speaking for myself here, but you want him to earn it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, don't, I don't really like it when Bond kind of just walks in and picks up any woman. And I wonder if this is that element of Bond is the blank slate, so you put a bit of yourself onto him. Sure. In that... I couldn't walk into a room mm-hmm. and just mack on with any well, I woman think it's I want. It, you know it, what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah, you'd yeah. have to put a bit of work in. You have to actually charm them. You yeah, actually it have doesn't to, take five seconds. Yeah, you have to actually prove yourself. I, I don't. It feels a bit too nineteen fifties male fantasy of, well, no woman can resist his charms, and it's yeah. like, yeah, you kind of have to give me more than that. Mm. Yeah. I think it's also... Um, particularly that, if you're not going to go campy. Because in the yeah. more films, there is a bit of that. He walks in and he's improbably attractive. But the sleazy But more nature. kind of gives it a bit of a wink of like, mm. come on, it's not real life. Don't worry. Come on. Come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. The sleazy Connery... nature is counterintuitive to the gentleman, though. Yes. Bond. Yes. That's, I think, what it's sticking point for me. If I see him approach and talk to a woman, I want the gentleman aspect to shine through. Which is maybe what Craig does a little bit better, and and and. Do you think Dalton? Yeah, I think Craig's a gentleman. I, I would. Yeah, I think he is too. Mm. I think the the best gentleman is Roger Moore. Mm. When I think of gentleman Bond, yeah, I think of Roger Moore. Yeah, for mm. sure. You, you. I thought uh, Dalton was quite a gentleman in the Living Daylights. It's definitely yeah. in the yeah, Living Daylights. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah. He he really like he. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. He takes time to. How can you be both? To woo her. Yeah. yeah. Like mm. when I say I, I say this term kind of loosely, but he falls in love with Kara mm. in the Living Daylights, and you buy it. It may not be an everlasting love, mm. but. It's a love nonetheless. It's not like he's just going, forgive the crudeness, but any hole's a goal. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't like using that term. But, but there is an element of that to Connery where he's just like, well, you're, you're a pretty girl. And, um, and you're here. Yeah. What else could you do for me except be my latest lay yeah mm. and I it is funny the older I get the more I'm like oh that doesn't sit well with me because when I was a teenager watching these films I was like oh yeah yeah she just likes him sure. he's he's attractive great mm. okay and it just kind of washes over and you kind of you know you're in that 
pubescent male you know, <laughs> thing where you're just like, yep, sure, yes. Yep, yep, okay, great. I'll be that when I grow up. <laughs> but I got a sense of that too on uh, in the plane scene with Pussy Galore and she kind of shuts him down and then all of a sudden he turns his head around and looks at the Asian lady he preparing melee, a drink or yeah. something. Uh, yeah. It's like, oh, okay, well, if she won't have it, maybe this one will. It's like, mm. oh, okay, you're right. It's a bit strange. And, yeah. and, the, and the fact that... And you know, undercuts the, the great tension that that scene has. What's the, where you kind of go, oh, she's just like... She rebuffs every advance that he, yeah. that he kind of makes. Mm. It's the nature of observance as well, you know, that, that maybe these older filmmakers weren't so invested in a lot of these 60s 50s it's just they don't you know that mechanic you're, you're telling us to watch this behavior mm. you know it's it's that's part of the it's strange to watch someone do that mm. i think in any time and place the fact that it was of the time means that yeah i don't know what i'm trying to say there but mm. it is no i i i think i know what you're saying because yeah. a filmmaker directs focus and it's just a strange thing to direct focus to. Well, it almost feels like they were just kind of going, uh, he needs to he needs to kiss the girl. Let's just have him kiss the girl. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it, it less so that it doesn't feel like they're making a conscious choice of who cares, who cares about women. You know what mm. I mean? It no, does, exactly. It, it, that's why I don't feel like it's a kind of complete dismissal of the feminine. But in its, there's a certain carelessness to. Oh well, it's Bond, and he'll he just needs to he needs to kiss the girl, so yeah. she can put up a bit of a fight, but eventually she'll give in. I don't think that there's a conscious effort on behalf of the filmmakers to go. Well, women are weak, and they'll give in anyway. Do you know what I mean? No, I, I yeah. don't get that sense no. from it. It's all tied in its context. Yeah, but, it, it's yeah. it's kind of a latent misogyny, if mm. if that's the right word. It it doesn't feel. Um, it doesn't feel overt. It doesn't feel like a conscious choice to push to push yeah. the female characters down. It just feels like they kind of go, "Well, it's Bond, and he needs to kiss the girl, yeah. and that's 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 the world. given. That's it's it. a given, and then we'll move on." So let's just get that done as quickly as we can, mm. um, because there are moments in the film that feel really. I commented on it when Pussy Galore is first um, introduced. Uh, that feels fucking super progressive for 1964. Yeah, female She's a pilot. competent female pilot yeah. who shuts down and rebuffs Bond at every fucking turn. Yeah. Mm. I love that line. You can turn off the charm, I'm immune. Yeah. I love that. Mm. It, it's, a, it's a challenge for Bond, which we hadn't seen in the previous two films. Mm. Um, once we see From Russia With Love, which I actually think works. I think the relationship in From Russia With Love really works, but it is very different. The, the main Bond girl in From Russia With Love is kind of, uh, you know, head over heels for Bond. Right, um, okay. But it, it's a very different story. Sure. Yeah, I, it's hard to talk about Bond in this and it almost feels blasphemous to not <laughs> heap praise onto Connery's Bond you know what mm, I mean yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it is that thing I was talking to a couple of colleagues at work the other day um, you know because I kind of came out and said look I'm a Bond fan <laughs> and you're just going to have to put up with that uh, and they asked which, who was my favourite Bond and I went without hesitation I went Daniel Craig and 
all of the all of my colleagues who were above kind of forty uh-huh. all went, What? It's not Sean Connery. Sean Connery's the best. Like he was Bond. It doesn't get better than that. Mm. And it was just a strange thing to see that this kind of older generation kind of went, No, 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 it's Connery. Yeah. Are you insane? It can't be anyone the, but Connery. Is there any other? Yeah. yeah, which is why it feels a bit blasphemous to kind of then go... Uh, yeah. yeah. And especially with this film. And it's, so. not, it's not to say that he doesn't do it for me, because I watch him in this film and I go, yeah, he's good. Yeah. He's really good. It's, a good, it's, precious. it's, a, good, it's a good bond. Mm. But it doesn't have that... Uh, Je ne sais quoi. Did you have the zest? It's missing yeah. something, you know? It's a Vesper Martini without without the lemon peel for me. Yeah. Mm. There's a... I think there is a, a sensitivity that's missing from it. Maybe that's what it is. He seems very infallible mm. and unflappable. Yes. yes. Which is... We mentioned this... Yeah, there needs to be that element. Well... Yeah, and it can't be too much because no. if he's too... If he's too kind of... Uh, malleable if he's too kind of responsive to his situation if he's too scared mm. you kind of go well that's not Bond no because mm. he's an experienced field agent yeah but you do kind of need to see him be a little bit stretched by the end of the film I want him back in the same shape you did have a but stretch him out a little bit through this which is why I will say uh, Sean Connery's performance when he's on the laser table yeah is probably my favourite part of the film. Yeah. Because there's a look in his eye where he is genuinely terrified mm. that he's about to die. Yeah. And he plays his last card. And that moment is peak Bond for me. Mm. But the rest of the film, he's... I mean, even with the, the nuclear bomb... At the yeah, end, he's just very fiddling much like, around with a bit of well, wire. Here we go. Well, if if I get it done, I have to get it done. If I don't, <laughs> well, I'm dead. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he does cop it early on. I remember you mentioned he was taking a beating. Mm. Yeah, I think it's. That? I think it is the first fight sequence we see mm. where he, he really does take a beating. He 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 gets a fair few shots landed on him. Mm. That's right. But but it's not even his then. Emotion. It doesn't make. He still kind of wakes up and he's like, all right, where am I now? Mm. Like there's that element of, oh, well, they got me. All right, next. Yeah. There, there doesn't sit, there's never that sense of like, oh, fuck, this could be it. Where the yes. fuck am I? Oh, fuck, I'm alive. All right. Yeah. The true, Shit, what's the that next kind of point? true element is missing from the story, maybe. Yeah. The true, real, I don't know. It, it's the thing with Connery that I always feel like, um, and I could be speaking out of school here. Um, I always feel like he gets the kind of animal magnetism down pat. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I completely believe that women would be attracted to him because he's got this kind of animalistic charm. Mm. Uh, and he is a magnetic screen presence, without a doubt. But I don't get gentlemen. No. no, he's not a... Yeah. No. It is a funny thing. I don't get gentlemen. He's a thug. <laughs> I wouldn't he's go so far as... I wouldn't go so far as to say thug. I don't... I can't say thug. He's a thug in a three-piece suit. Ooh. And you could put Ooh. a... You could put a coronation on his lapel, but he's still a thug. Ooh. Well, the coronation on his lapel, that brings us into the pre-title sequence, <laughs> mm. which I will say, because I feel like 
if you, if you were just listening so far, you'd think we hated this film. <laughs> but that pre, pre-title sequence for me was, was very, very, very cool. It's great. There's elements in that where I'm just like, yep, that's Bond. I love seeing that. More of that, please. Yep. The bird on his head when he scubas in. I mean, the fact yes. that he's scubaing in in the first place is yes. fantastic. Great. That opening shot of the facility with the big tanks and everything like that. And then we move into the set. Yes. Like, yes. Oh, That's right. Gorgeous. Mm. Yeah, a bit of masking, which we picked up we on. Picked yeah. up on. And unrelated to the, the main plot of the film, too, wasn't it? It was. It yeah. was. Mm. Yeah, so it's finally it's setting its own up mini mission. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, love that. Love it, love it, love it. Him getting out of the wetsuit, oh, having man. the immaculate, oh, the amazing dinner, mm. white, white dinner jacket, dinner jacket. underneath. Yeah, that's puts a the touch. little carnation in his lapel. Oh, that's brilliant. I mean, I'm looking at. Oh, I said coronation. Coroner. I was trying to think of what it was. was. Like, Am I? Who's right there? You're right. No, you're right. Carnation is right. Yeah, yeah, coronation, coronation is what happens to, to a queen. queen. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Or Coronation Street. Yeah. <laughs> yes, for real. I, I wanted to pick you up on it, but I couldn't for the life of me think of the correct yeah, well, If you're going to pull me up, you better have some, That's some, right. some of the... Some of the yeah. And Inspector does a bit of a nod. To this, uh, to this dinner jacket. So does Indiana yes, Jones. Yeah. Indiana Jones, yes, in the third film, I believe. Yeah. It's the third film, the one where they're kicking the the, no, the, the crystal second. across the floor. Is it the second? So. It's the one where the um, the bloody giant disc falls down and Indiana hides behind us, <laughs> rolls, rolls out, off. and he jumps yeah, through the window. The that's the second, is it? Mm. We've, we should watch these. Indi- I, I think Indiana Jones, those, those films, to. we yeah. should watch after these. Because um, there's so much Bondian influence in oh, them. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Sean Connery himself appears yes. in number three. It's the finest one. Yeah, I would say so too. From memory, it's the finest one. I, I don't have super clear memories I watched of the, the Indiana Jones film. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, very good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, mean, I think in the opening title sequence, I think it's still, I think it's still part of the opening, um, the, the, pre, the pre-title sequence. Sorry, I remember getting the very first hint of, uh, here he goes with women. Not to go back on it, we've already spoken about it, but no, if it comes up, he, you might as well talk about when, it. You know, when he comes into the room because he's eyeballing the dancer, right, the flamenco yes. dancer or you know, belly the, dancer, the, whatever yeah, she yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who I believe. I believe, and this is a fact check for you, Jake. <laughs> I believe that belly dancer is one of the belly dancers from from Russia with Love. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. I believe that actress is in From Russia with Love. Yeah, she right. may not play the same character or belly dancer in From Russia with Love, but from memory, she is in the previous yeah, film. There you go. Well, I remember when he first comes back into that room and he's like, all right, where were we coming? He grab us, grabs her by the arms. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm a prude. I don't know. But there was just something about it. It's like, uh, it was on the nose. Mm. It was on the nose. And that kind of, I loved, I lo- even then, you even then that like... first moment, that first way he handled her, I was like, uh, what's this going to be? What, what is it about that? What is it about the way he handled her? Is it is, is he too I was rough? just what very aware of, of his grabby nature and, and it was the same kind of grabbiness in in the barn. I was, I was okay with the first grabbing of Pussy Galore to bring her back, 
The second time he grabs her and swings her around, I was like, right, easy, mate. And then the third time, he's throwing her down on the uh, on the. You're hay. right. He's got a very strong grip. It's, it's like it's, oh, come, it's like it's not nice. No, I, mean, I wouldn't like to be grabbed like that. Although like, I, I don't want to do. I don't want to be the guy on, defending <laughs> defending problematic behaviour or whatever you want to call it. They're not good guys. And do you have the same reaction when he grabs uh, men like that? Like the way he does with the guard. He kind of has that little back and forth with the guard when he's in the cell at uh, Goldfinger's kind of stud farm. And he kind of... When he jumps out of the roof. And and he gets up on the roof and he kind of grabs him and disarms him. I think the difference is he's not trying to fuck the guard. Yeah. Yeah. He's He's trying to hurt him. He's trying to disable him. Therefore, I will hurt him. Yeah. Um, doesn't the yeah, logic, you're right. You're yeah. right. You're right. Mm. I, look, I'm just trying to find a way to um, interrogate this in, in multiple facets. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to interesting jump on debates. Yeah. yeah. For sure. For sure. Anyway, that was the first thing that came to mind. when. So when that, that first... was there for you in the pre-titles. Yeah. 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 Did, and it made you feel uncomfortable. Yep. I was aware okay. of it. Okay. Made me aware of it. For sure. Um but I did love the reflection in her eye of the henchman hiding mm. behind the... Uh, yes, that was very uh, good. That close-up there. And the way he's dispatched is very uh, what women want. Oh, it's, uh, ver- it's very Bondian. And it's a great line. How's he dispatched line. again? With the... With he the, throws, throws him into the... the into oh, in the, the bath. bath. That's right. Yeah. Like Mel Gibson with the, with the blow oh, dryer. What women want. What women want. Oh, you weren't saying that it was... No, I'm not saying what women want. Is I'm saying the in, movie. Is that what in what women want? That's how he gets the weird thing, how he can hear what women are saying. He falls into a bathtub with a hairdryer. Oh, I've never seen that film. Haven't you? <laughs> no. I think it's Mel and... It's, Helen Hunt. Is it Helen Hunt? I or think is I believe it, so. Or is it the You've they Got made, Mail Lady? They made a remake. Yeah, Taraji. what men want. What men Taraji P. Henderson. I won't be seeing it. <laughs> I haven't seen the original. I won't be seeing the remake. Um, well, look, they ripped off Bond, if they that's did. the case. It was a... um, and it's a great line. Shocking. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. Positively shocking. Yeah, I love that, that one liner. That was very, great. very good. That's one thing I will say in Sean's defence. He does do the one-liners very well. He does them different. He does them. He does them in a way where they all he's not. But he, in the same way that Dalton does them, he doesn't call attention to them. Yeah. He's mm. not saying to the audience, "Here's a joke." Yeah. Whereas I feel Pierce, particularly after just watching Die Another Day, yeah. where Pierce says one line, like Pierce's Bond in that says one liners. To absolutely fucking oh, no one, rubbish. except it's the camera, it's awful. and I, I hate that. It's awful. It's not motivated for the character in any way. Mm. Whereas Connery's, they are somewhat to someone in the room. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which which I prefer. And Dalton does the same thing where he's like, it's not a joke. Yeah, it's just wit. That's right. Um, which is very different. And I think that was one thing that that pricked my ears with, with Connery this time around, and maybe I saw it in Doctor No, I don't know, but this, the, the downplaying of the dialogue in his performance, particularly early on, I remember maybe it was even in the pre-title sequence where I was like, ah, oh, he feels different. He's 
and the seriousness, but it was kind of the downplaying, which I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I think, you know, he felt authentic. I think Mm -hmm. Bond felt real in that moment that he was just, he was on business. Yeah. I think, I think Sean does that really well. I think he does Bond on business very well. It's like kind of, you know, straight to the point. Well, I'm going to do this. Mm. This is, this is my world. This is how I handle things. Well, talking about business. Yeah. The business. <laughs> Shirley Bassey's theme to this. Mm, yeah. Um, it, that, I, it's it's going to be playing in my head for days. Oh, my God, yeah. yes. Uh, it, iconic. Yeah. Um, incomparable. <laughs> extraordinary vocals. Extraordinary uh, orchestration. Yeah. Just brilliant. They, they, I don't have a bad word to say about Shirley Bassey's goal. It's a great title sequence, too. Oh, it's a fantastic title sequence. Yeah. Who did the title sequence to this film? Mm. Morris. Binder. Morris who? Binder. Binder? Who did you say? I said Morris Binder. Morris Binder. You're both wrong. It's Robert Brown John. I was going to say that. Who's that? Robert Brown John, who did the title sequence to From Russia With Love as well. Oh, okay. So From Russia With Love. Well, Maurice Binder. Okay, (laughs) yeah. Morris Binder. Morris Binder. <laughs> he did Doctor No, which yep. you weren't much a fan of. No. You didn't like the three blind mice too much. Um, mm. So maybe Broccoli and Saltzman had a similar thing. Uh, they got Robert Brownjean to do um, From Russia With Love and Goldfinger. And then Maurice came back for Thunderball and kind of did all of them. So hang on. Since then. Maurice gets all the credit, but... This fella was responsible for... Pine Needle, a lot of it. Goldfinger. Well, this... I would say, yeah, from Russia with Love and Goldfinger's title sequences are kind of similar in that they feature... It's a black background with a uh, real-life actress or dancer yep. um, kind of shaking and gyrating and in different <laughs> poses. Yes. <laughs> when you break it down like that. Um, with images projected from the film. Projected uh, so maybe they won't come on, mate. You've done two in a row the same. We're getting by and Maybe. I will say this is it's great. stunning. It's beautiful. I, I think from Russia with Love and Goldfinger's title sequences are stunning. The Goldfinger one in particular is fantastic. I love my favourite is the final shot, um, it, which is the hand coming up mm. and then having Auric Goldfinger kind of uh, projected on that. Yeah. And then as the hand uh, descends, we just go into that black screen yeah. and then we open on Welcome to Miami Beach, that flag mm. coming behind. The plot of the film. Good plot. Yeah. Yeah? I'll, I'll, give, like him that. What, I'll give him that. What, what do you like about it? Um... Motivated, really. It's it's grounded and well motivated. Surprisingly, you would think it'd be more far fetched. Are they mostly in Connery's time period pretty grounded villains, or are they? Mm. Doctor No wasn't. Hmm. Depends on your perspective, because I mm. think Doctor No's villain is fairly grounded. Okay. Uh, from Russia with Love, definitely Goldfinger. If if this is grounded, definitely. Thunderball, yeah. What do you mean by grounded? Oh, no, like giant sun satellite melting the ice. Okay. I guess motivated. I mean, nothing gets as 
fucking bad as <laughs> that. I think motivated is the right word. Right. That it really feels um, personal and and like there's a reason for it. Yeah. It's yeah. it's thought out. It's not a plot written by a writer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You believe it as it's happening. I yeah. guess that this particular character would want to be doing this because. Yeah. Yeah. Of. Yeah. yeah, the logic made sense. Like we like we discussed with um, 006. Mm. Yes. Know, when you unpack that, you're like, of course. Yes. Family history, all that. Yeah. Mm. And you felt that with um, Goldfinger. Yeah, and I mean, he's a great villain too. He's a, I think he's a bloody brilliant, brilliant villain. Brilliant villain, mm. yeah. Jesus, he elevates this film to, right to a huge level. He's responsible if, for a lot, isn't he? Yeah, mm. and it, it's funny. It's funny because we've just come out of this discussion of Connery's Bond. I find Gert Frobe's Goldfinger way more charismatic and charming. Mm. Even though he's kind of made out to be this kind of gross megalomaniac, mm. every choice that he makes as an actor mm. is pitch perfect. Yeah. Mm. And, and he's I, entertaining. He's super entertaining. Mm. You're never bored when he's uh, on screen. I love that speech that he's ha- that he has when he's uh, unveiling his Fort Knox plan to all the gangsters who's he's, who he's about to um, gas. gas. And he's like, you know, man has excelled in, you know, he's climbed Mount Everest. He's done blah, blah, blah. Sent rockets to the moon. Yeah, he sent fire rockets at the moon. He has excelled in every field except climb. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of great. Oh, I'm going to be the, the first man of, yeah. of crime, you yeah. know. It's brilliant. He's just so watchable. Yeah. It was really modern acting, too, I felt. Like, there were some... The, the more still scenes... I'm, I'm thinking of the one on the veranda of the big home there. At with the, the stud. tulips. With the mint tulips, yeah. yes. Yeah, with Bond. And Bond's kind of piecing it all together. And he's sitting there going, yes, yes. No, keep working at it. You'll, you'll find it. You you'll get, get it. it. Yes, yes. And, like, ah, there was layers to that performance. And he was, yeah. I just it wasn't... It wasn't overly hammy. It wasn't a one-dimensional villain. I thought he brought a lot of depth to it. I thought he brought a lot of like I say, entertainment to it, you know, no, I expect you to die. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, Iconic line. B- b- uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I... Yeah, he's up there for me as yeah, being one of my brilliant. favourite villains, I mm. reckon. Mm. There's, a, there's a very strong link. We only watched GoldenEye uh, just before Die Another Day, so it's quite fresh for us. Um, there's quite a strong link between GoldenEye's villain plot and Goldfinger's villain plot in that they are both essentially uh, bank robberies. Mm. Yeah. Trevelyan wants to take the money from uh, the Bank of England. Yep. Uh, he's going to send the EMP down, and then that will wipe any trace. Whereas Goldfinger is like the largest reserve of gold outside of his own mm-hmm. is Fort Knox. So he puts a nuclear bomb down there to irradiate that for however many years, so it's completely unusable and untradeable. So that he has the largest stockpile of gold, so he's kind of inflating his own wealth. It's genius. It's brilliant. It's yeah. a really, really brilliant plan. Mm. He will be able to control all the money in the world. Amazing. Brilliant. And simple enough that I kind of go, yep, great, I understand that and I believe it. Exactly. And I understand why the British and American governments would want to stop, stop that, that. Or would at least want to investigate a, a fellow like that. Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 it's a really simple plot. 
It's a really simple one. I, I, there's a slight bit of convenience with the whole, oh, Bond's staying at the same hotel that uh, Goldfinger's at in Miami. And... Yeah, how does that come about? It's not pure really... coincidence. So we it's... kind of just open there. I think Bond has been. I think Bond and Felix have a little bit of a conversation there. Yeah. Where uh, Felix is like, "So, MI6 sent you down here to keep an eye on Goldfinger, or something like that." I may be misremembering that, but it's something to do with that. And uh, Goldfinger kind of comes down. And Felix is like, "We've been watching him too. So, whatever you need, just let let me know. Let me know." Mm. Um, I think that's essentially what happens. Right? Yeah, um, it's a bit convenient, but look, it's a Bond film. Yeah, and I, I didn't really. And and, and you never flag. really question it. No, that kind no. of stuff. You just kind of go, I'm sure Bond will will get to the point. Yeah. I don't mind seeing him at a Miami beach. Well, wasn't he sent to investigate Goldfinger? Yes. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah. So it, it's fine that we kind of get dumped, yeah. jumped in, jumped in the middle of jumping at that point. Yeah. The locations in this film, mm. there's some pretty stunning ones. Um, Miami kind of gets touched on at the start there uh, with that beautiful aerial photography. Yeah, great opening shot there. Really beautiful opening shot. Um, of the, the diver going, and he kind of cuts right. into the underwater of the pool. And... Yeah, the Hotel Fontainebleau. Oh, that's mm. the Fontainebleau. Yeah. Mm. Um, which... Uh, I, I think still exists and in the 60s was a really kind of hip and classy place to go right. nowadays from what I've <laughs> read on like TripAdvisor and stuff like that uh, it's kind of become one of those tacky beach resorts that kind of I don't know doesn't really have the class it once had no it's full of Instagram influences and um, yeah you right. know People who are probably a little unsavory. Mm. I think it's kind. Of, it, it's it's lost its sheen. You right. know, you would you would not expect to see Bond go to the not, Fontainebleau, yeah. full of now. secret agents and yeah. multi millionaires yeah. hoarding gold. Oh, they might be multi millionaires, but uh, <laughs> they're, they're, they're not in the gold <laughs> business. Uh, Miami kind of doesn't really feature that, no, that no. much in there. I mean, most of it is pine wood. <laughs> yeah, like, Connery never stepped foot. Fun fact. Connery never stepped foot in the United States. For this. Every single shot of Connery that is in the United States yeah. is on the Pinewood set. Right. Even the stud. All the stud stuff. Yep, that's all, that's all England. He never stepped foot in the United States. Wow. Too, too expensive to fly him over. Fact check me on that. Wow. But I think I'm right. From wow. memory, I remember when I was a kid reading, uh, reading or watching... That uh, yeah, in one of the documentaries that. or something. Never and went I to America. Being like fucking hell, that's amazing. Because you you believe it completely. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think they did shoot in Geneva because that road that that was amazing. Beautiful. Yeah, road. yeah. Those that, long uh, zoom outs uh, with the water behind and be still my beating heart. Oh, yeah. Extraordinary. Yeah, that was the my location highlight. Yeah, yeah, for sure. When you say locations, that's the first thing that I yeah. think of. Yeah. The yeah. Geneva sequences are, are pretty amazing. Mm. Another one that stands out for me is Stoke Poges, that golf Ooh. course. Oh, yeah. Okay. I really, really desperately want to play on that. I think yeah. that clubhouse looks amazing. The greens look fantastic. There's something very 
understatedly Bond. I know that's not a word, but let's uh, trademark it. <laughs> uh, understatedly Bond about mm. that. There is something that kind of feels very... I don't know. Basically Bond. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff... That's the kind of stuff when you were talking about you can't see Brosnan doing anything outside of the, the, the movies... I couldn't see him playing a game of golf. No. Yeah, you're I right. do see Connery playing a game of golf. Because we do. Because we do. Mm. And he's a king golfer in real life. Apparently quite a mean golfer as well. I believe it. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, both of them, the shots we see them take, extraordinary form. Yeah. Even Gert Frobe. That's a yeah. fantastic driver. I did pace. notice, though, towards the back end of that shot, he's got a bit of a slice. It was going around <laughs> to the left. I reckon... If Was we, it? I reckon... If, it looked pretty straight to me. I reckon if we... Well, look, let's fact check that. If we watch I that think back, that was pretty... I reckon he's got a bit of a slice I there. I think that was pretty straight. Slice to the left? I saw a slice to the right. No, he was definitely going From to the Frobe. left. Mm. From Frobe. From no. I think it looked straight, and then I think he was going towards the trees on the left. If they held that shot, no, I, think, I think he'd be in the sticks. I think you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> the man's got power, though. I'll give him that. He's, he's got a fair drive. Oh, hell yeah. There's a lot of muscle behind that drive. We move on then after, uh, well, after Stoke Poges, we go to Geneva, which is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, in Geneva, we see Auric's, um, uh, Auric Enterprises, his yes, kind of uh, his... mass plant. Yeah. Gold refinery. Yeah. Yeah. Some, something like right. that. He's smelting down his it's mostly um, interiors, isn't it? Yeah. His Rolls Royce. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's a great. Hordes of henchmen. Mm. Brilliant. Beautiful outfits. Who are all Asian. Yes. Which is never explained. No, I was wondering if, if there was going to be some kind of, you know, answer to that. Yeah. Why maybe maybe there his... is in the novel. I do not remember anything from the Goldfinger novel. I don't remember anything from it. Right. I know that um, Fleming named Goldfinger after someone who really existed. And that's okay. about it. I, that's all I remember right. from the novel. It, yeah, it's never explained Odd in the film. Odd Jobs Korean. Korean, yeah. Harold Cicada. Yeah. Um, the... <sighs> oh, the, the nuclear the nuclear character. The Nuc- nuclear guy. Nuclear. Nuclear? What did I say? <laughs> nuclear. Nuclear. George, George, George Bush. Bush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> oh, I'm on fire tonight. Um, yeah. Is, did they mention that he's from China? Is that how they Who? The, <laughs> the nuclear guy from China. Oh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> you know the guy I'm talking about? He's 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 offsider. He's like a he brings in the atomic weapon. He sets it all up and he puts in the Did they establish that he's from China? I'm pretty sure they mentioned Maybe Well, you China. just go that dude looks like he's from China. No. Yeah. Were you being racist? No. You they, sure? I'm sure. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. They said that this oh, guy. He, he was very from well China. could. He very he, well could be. He first popped up at the at the gold refinery, and he was even in the. Scene I know. With I know. The laser. Who, yeah, I know who you're talking about, but I can't remember. Sounds like you have a crush on this guy. <laughs> I can't remember the guy's I just want to know name. Why he's hiring all of these Asian characters? Yeah, it's a strange Asian thing because he's he's German. Well, I think they German say that English. he's British. Well, he's yes. They say he's British, but you wouldn't. You wouldn't. You, you couldn't tell. You couldn't tell. Something yeah, like that because he's got German heritage or something like that, which is never really. No, he just seems very German to me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 
which fun fact actually um, interesting fact I should say more so than fun mm. Gert Frobe so this film when it was uh, initially released was not released in Israel um, because uh, it was not too far after the end of World War Two, oh. and there was because Gert Frobe was German uh, there had been a kind of rumour circulating that he was a Nazi and that he had fought for the Nazis. Um, not long after the release of the film, or I can't actually, I don't actually know the timeline, but sometime after the film was released, uh, it was revealed that Gert Frobe uh, actually was responsible for helping um, a lot of Jewish people escape the Nazis. Oh. So he's actually a war hero. Wow. Um, but he, he spoke very little English before this. And ac- actually, Nicky van der Zeel, who was um, responsible for dubbing a lot of the Bond girls in the early films, particularly the Connery ones, like Honey Rider and that, um, she was helping him learn um, English. English. Wow. Um, I know that because I'll say, full disclosure, I uh, listened to the uh, amazing interview that... Um, uh, Chris Wright does on James Bond Radio with Nikki Van Der Zeel, wow. and she uh, she said that on that on that podcast. So that's an amazing thing. You should uh, definitely check out James Bond Radio. I mean, you should definitely check out James Bond Radio, but you should check out their interview with Nikki Van Der Zeel. It's an amazing insight that you you can't find anywhere else. Mm. Um, but Gert Frobe was um, an amazing amazing kind of gentle man um, who dubbed him. I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to... I, I was trying to uh, kind of probe my own brain there. Mm. The only... Careful. The only actor... <laughs> yeah, careful. Uh, the only actor who I, I know of by name who did any dubbing is Nikki Van Der Zeel. Right. Because she did so many. Right. I mean, she did all of them up until, like... <sighs> you only lived twice? She might have even done some after that. I'm not really sure. Um, what were we talking about? I've kind of well, lost my we were, of we were still talking about locations. I, I mean, oh, yeah. I, I'd like to talk about some of the man-made locations. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Pine These wood. sets were fantastic. Um, Goldfinger's, I mean, I'll call it a lair, where he does his little presentation about his whole Fort Knox plan. Oh, his at his stud farm. His in estate. Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah breeding yeah. all the all the horses there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the the room where he gets all the mobsters in and eventually gases them. But mahogany, not mahogany. The big, the yeah, the timber, a lot of timber, yeah. big stone and stuff, and then all of a sudden the, like the oak, the walls almost. come down and the big map comes up and the ta- the the billiard table swings around to a big. Control panel. There's so mm. many moving parts in here. Yeah, it that was amazing a lot of screen that happens. folds up from the yeah. floor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, floor opens up, and the miniature kind of display table with Fort Knox and Nox, everything yeah. on it comes up, and all of the, these, these guys built this. It's and that's sensational. You don't get that in any other in any other type of film. That's very Bondian. Yeah. Mm. There is one other interior set yeah that's extraordinary and we do get to spend a bit of time in there and that's Fort Knox mm. oh yeah the interior Mo- like it's a three story high set 
Is that the one where Bond... At least. I actually think it might be a bit more than Probably, because there seems to be more clearance yeah, above that top. Yeah. top and comes down the elevator. Is Yeah, yeah and there's yeah, a whole yeah. series of steps that oh, Odd Job keeps running that's up. That's one of the it's best like, sets Imagine walking into seen. that. Oh. Into a soundstage. That was so good that... So, when Ken Adams was designing this, mm. he got in touch with the United States Treasury, I believe is the department that's responsible for the US depository um, and said, could we get any reference images for what the inside of Fort Knox looks like? And the US government said, absolutely not. Wow. No one is to see inside of that unless they have the appropriate clearance. So Ken Adams went, okay, fine. We'll just have to, we'll figure it out. We'll, whatever makes most sense to us, that's what we'll design. Because they could look at the exterior. They could look at the exterior, which is very well known. And that's it. And from that, they designed what they thought the interior of Fort Knox would look like. Mm-hmm. They filmed it, released the film. Afterwards, the United States government contacted Ken Adams mm-hmm. and essentially said, So who was your inside man who told you what it looked like? Because apparently Ken Adams' set design in this film was very, very close to what they actually have or had inside Fort Knox. Isn't that amazing? What are the chances of that? Another point uh, where they got in trouble. Yeah, now what was that? They were flying over. When they did the flyover, they were originally cleared to fly at, I believe it was something like, Three or two thousand feet. Right. The U.S. government said you can fly at three to two thousand feet, mm-hmm. and they were going in to do that, and they didn't have many, very many chances at flying over. They had uh, very time poor. Sure. Um, and as they were coming in, they were like, "We're too high up. This looks like nothing." So they ended up descending, and they flew at think 200 feet oh my above God. Fort Knox and they got in a lot of trouble because that is flying within essentially military airspace and filming it Whoa! but the shots are fantastic <laughs> <laughs> it's but amazing I think it was worth it but yeah they got into a little bit of trouble that Fort Knox stuff was notoriously difficult yeah. for them they, they, they were not given an inch by the US government because it was such a, a closely held government secret at the time. It's amazing to think like when you go alright let's tell a story about Fort Knox okay well here's the script and the producers get that and go oh, it's Fort Knox like how do we how do we deal like you know if you're going to shoot on location and having to deal with all of that kind of stuff and the politics this is like big complicated sequences and, and just like the the behind the scenes, the negotiations and the, you know, the rights and the clearances and what can we say, what can't we say. Can we? Yeah. It's a big undertaking. Massive. Absolutely massive. Um, speaking of massive, mm, the massive uh, impact <laughs> that the gadgets have in this film. Yeah. This is the first film where we have a proper Q gadget scene. Yeah. Oof. And it's very Mannequin good. doesn't get it. 
Mannequin doesn't come get to it. that later. No, but a fella gets it. Yeah, lab. A fella gets he's it. a real uh, ra- uh, lab rat. He's uh, <laughs> all he's got on is a bulletproof vest and a trench coat. Mm-hmm. We don't blow mannequins up. We not yet. <laughs> we blow men up. I love that it's not. It's it. There's not too many kind of background gadgets at this point. Yeah, it doesn't seem yeah, too it's overcrowded. Just essential. Yeah. Essential yeah. items. There's only. there's testing going on, but it's not too uh, over the top. Which is at my this main point. thing. That's kind of what I want to see, you know? Yeah. It's like the life you get a glimpse of Q's day to day outside of Bond's mission. It's mm. like, yeah, oh, mm. 007's off doing something. Oh, well, I've got his stuff over here, but I'm testing out this new stuff over here for another mission. Mm. And I love that they already established Bond fidgeting. Mm-hmm. You know, with stuff of like, but there was this one little moment where, uh, where where Q was like, just kind of put that down. Just he gestured to his hand, like, oh. put that down. Stop touching. He's very easily here. distracted. Yeah, yeah. 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 It, it, it's great. I mean, this is the this is the establishment of the Q Bond relationship. Yeah, um, it's a beautiful thing. And and it's in the same way that the M Bond relationship is, mm. there's, it's slightly adversarial. Yeah. There's that mm. element of like, now pay attention, 007. Yeah. Like, this won't take more than an hour. Like, as long as you give me your undivided attention. <laughs> it, it's a bit kind of dressing down the naughty schoolboy. Exactly, like, exactly. Yes, yes. You're not getting your Bentley anymore. This is the, the new one. This is the Aston Martin. And oh, here's yeah. this gadget and that gadget. Naturally, the revolving, you know, license plates. Don't the, the, blow it up. Don't wreck it like you did last time. You get the whole sense of history yeah. and the... The characters have got such clear opinions of each other. It's a really established relationship that we yeah. just kind of get thrown into. It feels real. It's great too because um, when Q, uh, when Desmond Llewellyn was uh, did like their first rehearsal of this scene, he says in one of the behind the scenes documentaries that he uh, he he played it very differently. Where he was like, oh, it's. James Bond, 007. So, oh, now pay attention, 007. He was a slightly more reverent. Right, Bond. right. And Guy Hamilton said to him, um, no, no, don't treat him reverently at all. You don't know that this is the James Bond 007. This is just another agent. And he never returns the bloody gadgets that you spend <laughs> months on. Developing. Developing. Preparing. He, he, they're always trashed at the end of each mission. Why would you? Why would you respect this man? He shows no respect to you, <laughs> and so and Desmond Llewellyn said that that unlocked the Q character for him, wow. where he was like, "Yeah, James Bond's a pain in the fucking ass for Q," <laughs> because he's like every mission, he's like, "All right, here's your new watch, here's your new car, here's one. your new thing. It would be great if you could return this one, please, Bond." <laughs> There's a lot of taxpayer money going into this. <laughs> It's great, and you you get that sense in this scene. Mm. Um, the the gadgets themselves are fantastic. I love the simplicity of them. Yeah. The car's um, got a lot of gadgets. I can't recall anything outside the. Uh, there's the tracker. Big grappling hook. Oh yeah, yeah, the yeah. Grappling, grappling hook, grappling hook, in, the hook in the pre-title sequence. sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, the track is the a track big, has a big, big one. one. The big one. Yeah. Plays yeah. into the plot really yeah. well. Um, Not that it's got any gadget features yet, but we do get a glimpse of. Watch. watch. Yeah, we get a Rolex with a NATO strap. Yep. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it it doesn't really do anything except tell time. No, it? <laughs> no, it's just a watch. There's no, there's no zip line. There's no yeah. 
detonator. There's no. He's got the he's got the tube of explosive, which yeah. he puts on the heroin. Is it heroin? Yeah, I think they do say heroin. Yeah, I think, I think it, it was heroin, drugs, which was funny it? because when we talked about Live and Let Die, we were like, yeah. "Is this yeah the, the first? But there's the this, heroin trade another... kind of mentioned yeah. in this. I mean, the gadgets on on the Bond car. Uh, we got to talk about this car. Yeah. It is iconic. It's the Aston yeah. Martin DB5. It's the first time we see it. It's the first time we see it. Wow. BMT 216A, the iconic license plate. Mm. Um, mm. Next time we see it is Thunderball, and then after that we don't see it till Goldeneye. Oh, I couldn't which believe we talked that. about in Goldeneye. Wow. Um, I still don't believe it, actually. I you, you think it's the car he drives around. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I think is a testament to this film. I think this film really put that in people's minds. Mm. Well, it gets... A decent amount of airtime. Sure does. Does a lot of work. Particularly, well, exclusively in Geneva. Yeah. All of its um, all of its show off moments are in Geneva. Yeah. We see the um, the bulletproof shield Great come car up chase. and down. Great car chase. Uh, we got the oil slick coming out the back, which uh, I remember you remarking upon, I Jake. That. You were quite a fan yeah. of that. Well, in terms of gadgets, in mm. terms of. Uh, you know the gadgetiness yes. of this film, general gadgetiness. Yeah, mm. is, I know that's a big thing for you, Jake. Yeah. How is it for you, Darbs? I don't mind not seeing gadgets. I don't, you know. Did it? Did you feel satiated? I didn't, by I didn't this? feel overwhelmed by gadgets. I is it still a Bond film if it doesn't have gadgets? I think so. Yeah. Well, the gadgets aren't aren't, aren't a big criteria for you. No, they aren't. Mm. No, they mm. aren't because they're always just plot devices. Yeah, no, they feel like plot band aids at some point. Excuse me, there'll be no asides on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now pay attention, Um They are a big thing for you, though, Jake, aren't they? They are. Were you satiated? I was. It wasn't gratuitous gadgetry. It was. Um, I thought it was well balanced. I thought that the gadgets, I think the gadgets were erring on the more realistic side, you know. Whereas even in even in um, Live and Let Die, the the gadgets Very had cartoony. they had a bit of a design element to mm. them. Whereas even in this, it was like it's still a gadget, but it's practical. Mm. You know, it's got the miniature version you put in your boot. You got the bigger one. You hang onto it. It's magnetized. The grappling gun. It's a real thing. Um, they're not sort of weird shapes and colours and, you know, any of that kind of thing. Do you think they were things. in Live and Let Die? I yeah. thought they were a little bit. Yeah. I thought they were a little bit. Like, well, well what, designed. What, good good like design. What? The, the brush. The brush thing that he opens up, you know. Oh, uh, I, I see. That, that see. comes to yeah, mind. I see. Where it's like, I don't, I don't even mind that. I don't, I, yeah. I'll go that far. So I remember they, you liking that. I do. They have a design yeah. is what you're saying. They do, yeah. 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 Those These ones, ones have, have less. a design. This one, less, less so, more incorporated in, I guess, reality, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a healthy amount of, of gadgets. Um, for me, if it doesn't have a gadget in it, um, it's maybe it is still a Bond film, but it's certainly not uh, one of my favourite Bond films. I think no. I think one, gadgets are my favourite Bond films will have to have gadgets in them. Mm. Go watch Inspector Gadget. Mate. No, it's, <laughs> it started with Bond. Bond needs gadgets. And that's why I'm so disappointed when I don't get a cue scene. 
a legit cue mm. scene. And yeah, I was right. so happy to see the very first proper cue scene. It's a great lab, too. It's a great lab. Very, uh, there was a, another kind of uh, flashback to Goldeneye. Yep. Very similar design to the lab in Goldeneye as there was to that kind of concrete slanted mm. structure. <clears throat> yeah. Really similar. There, there's so, it, it's funny watching th- this film. And, and kind of looking at Goldeneye and going, oh, it really was trying to be like, don't worry, it's Bond. It's yeah, Bond. Yeah, There's yeah. a lot of flashback in, in throwback, I should say, in Goldeneye, being like, Car hey, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. It's the opening to Goldeneye. It really is, yeah. Yeah, same, very similar winding road to the mm. one that he kind of rides against Tilly Masterson. Um, which brings us into the stunts. Yeah. What's your standout stunt? In this, you know what? I got to think about it, and I shouldn't have to. Oh, oh okay. The stunts should serve your memory. Yes, <laughs> yes. You're, you're quite uh, questionable. I mean, yeah, very questionable memory. Although no. you do remember what you had for breakfast. Uh, uh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> Today was cornflakes. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was. Oh, you're a cereal man. I am a cereal man. Do you ever have eggs? Yeah, every now and then. Every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. I'm more eggs than cereal. I don't eat breakfast. Oh. Intermittent faster. (laughs) 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 Okay. Look, I've given you time to think about your stunt now. Look, I'm thinking back. There's. Look, I remember a few. I'll be honest. I think major kudos needs to go to. The ensemble of stuntmen in, like, in the BG, in the background. In Fort Knox? In, well, just kind of throughout the film, really. It's like, you, you know, we say it didn't have a dam jump, or we say it didn't have a boat sequence, or, you know, the plane fight in, mm-hmm. in The Living Daylights. They're all Bond, they're all big Bond stunts. Yeah. I don't think it, I don't think Goldfinger has a big Bond Stunt. It has a couple of explosions. It has plenty of jumps and leaps. It has plenty of yeah. fights. I, I would say the biggest credit needs to go to the massive ensemble of stuntmen that fill the role of, of, of henchmen and soldiers and stuff like that. Like, I'm pretty sure I remember seeing um, stunty guys go, you know, A over T off a, off a massive... Um, platform in Fort Knox and sort of oh, falling yeah, yeah. down and yeah, you know quite a bit, yeah. things like that like that's and you know you only see that for a glimpse mm. but you know I, I, I think where is the big do it for real stunt you know yeah. where's where's that big yeah, I don't think they were doing that yet yeah well it's funny I think they kind of were mm. From Russia with Love kind of has a big... The jetpack? Set piece. No, that's Thunderball. Oh. Um, for, uh, maybe they don't. I mean, From Russia with Love has the the helicopter north by northwest scene. It's more, it's more efforts in... They're the precursor to the Bond stunts that I think we all think of. In that... The, what I noticed about... I would say Spy Who Loved Me is the first of the Goldeneye Dam Jump stunts. Parachute, yeah. right? Yeah, the parachute. The, the, parachute the, 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 the iconic Union Jack parachute. We I've all seen the film and yeah. I know that. Everyone moment. knows that stunt. For sure. Mm. That, I, mean, I think, is, is the first one of those... 
stunts. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the other stunts within it are kind of like, wow, look at that explosion. Oh my God, they did that boat chase. Oh my God, how did they do that? Yeah. Rather than the take your breath away kind of, Jesus Christ, that's superhuman. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's more efforts in coordination and... and yeah. And visual... I mean, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, the yeah. shooting that bloody, you know, the fight scenes, the gun, uh, you know, the shootout on top of Piz Gloria is... Mm. Yeah. That's an extraordinary yeah. moment. But it's, exactly. it's not It's not a... Um, it's, it's not, not a, a damn jump. jump. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. But that being said, I think one of the biggest action sequences, aside from the military turning up at Fort Knox, yeah. is the car chase in Geneva. Yeah. It's very good. There's a great sequence there where it looks like when they, uh, they haven't gotten out into the into the beaten track yet in through the forest and stuff, but they're actually going through the the buildings and the facilities and things. Mm. Maybe that is after he yeah, ends up yeah. there. Yeah, that um, is the standout. It looked like they're flying through these little skinny alleyways. Mm. Um, you know, I think the drive teams were were really working their butts off and to get those to get those sequences nailed. That was pretty hair raising. What's your favourite stunt? I think that would have to be mine as well. Now that you've mentioned it, the the car chase, the dropping of the smoke, yeah, that was the more visually impressive stunt. But the flying over Fort Knox would have been would have been a big deal. And the aerial, the aerial photography, very bloody good in this. Very advanced. I think it's ambitious for the time. Absolutely, absolutely. I like the work Guy Hamilton did in this film within. His frames, he's, you know, I think I mentioned quick, there was like a kind of Kurosawa element. <laughs> you yeah. did mention that. In, I think it was uh, as early as the Miami we were Fontainebleau. Miami. You were, yeah. There's a lot of Kurosawa. The in, introduction yeah, of Felix in Miami. Yeah, yes. just the, 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 the movement, you were movement through the frame and the, and the way the shot kind of evolved and the blocking happened all in front of us. Right. That's very Bond, but also there was a lot of, a lot of extras in this film. There was a lot of extras in this film. Yeah. The sequence where, you know, and he seems like to have a real eye for the way a lot of bodies move through a frame, which can be chaotic in the hands of a sort of lesser director. And we see the poetry of that motion too, when the exactly. gas falls over the, the, the military bases and all of these... Which is a little bit sh- naff, but... The sequences of... Yeah, all that. that's exactly right. But the way he handles all those people and yeah. it's got some kind of visual flow to it. I think that's... I don't know if you'd count that as a stunt. I do. It takes planning. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Personally, my favourite stunt actually is um, the the flinging of the... um, I don't know the character's name, but that kind of weird... The guy that gasses all the gangsters, and then he's trapped in... Once Goldfinger closes Fort Knox's vault door, and he says to Oddjob, you can be a hero, but I'm not. Mm. And he's running to disarm the uh, the bomb, and um, Oddjob throws him over... That shot of him being flung over That's the rails. That's what I was thinking of. That 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 stunt for me is is the big one. But yeah, it, you, you're right. There isn't there isn't really another stunt in here that kind of stands out, which is strange, because I think the kind of finale of From Russia with Love, the film before this, right, definitely does have an iconic stunt. Okay, which I think is a personal favourite of mine. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, so it's already... funny too because this film. So each film went up in pro- in its production budget by a million dollars. Doctor cool. No was a million. From Russia with Love was two, and Goldfinger was three. Wow. Um, each film made 
way more than that at the box office. I think Goldfinger made like 125, yeah, 125 million dollars at the box office off a three million dollar budget. Like, we're in the money. <laughs> um, but uh, I feel bad because I, I'm I'm not trying to shit on this movie. Mm. I'm not trying to poke holes in it. It doesn't fit. I don't see that extra million dollars on the screen. Wow. When I compare it to From Russia With Love, I actually think From Russia With Love has more in it. Right. And I remember so much more of From Russia With Love. Maybe that's personal bias. Hmm. I think Goldfinger really nails that basic formula of what the then succeeding Bond films kind of, kind of follow. But it doesn't have the same like, oh, remember that amazing moment? Wow. A lot of the amazing moments in this are within the character interactions, the kind of yeah. the one-liners, actually. Yeah, mm. strong they're, scene they're, work. Yes, yeah, within scene work. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's tough. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I mean, we have touched on him uh, quite a bit, mm-hmm. but our, our villains of the piece, mm-hmm. I mean... There's there's a couple. Yep. I mean, there's one main villain in this, which yes. is Auric Goldfinger. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement. He's excellent. He's, he's excellent. one of the strongest elements of the film. Yeah. I think he's a brilliant, brilliant actor and a great villain. He elevates the film. He yeah. really elevates the film. Every time he's on screen, you uh, you're in capable hands. Yeah, completely capable hands. And whoever does the dubbing of him, that is fantastic. Yeah, very very solid work. Because um, that's a lot of it too. I mean, the voice is so critical. I mean, to think that it's a completely different person is mm. really bizarre. Yeah. Well, you can hear Gert Frobes, um, I, I believe I'm saying his name right, Gert Frobes' real voice in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh, really? Is in that? And it's not that different. Right. From memory, it's not that different. Maybe he's dubbed in that. But I believe it's his real voice in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, right. which is written by Ian Fleming, who wrote the Bond novels. Um, yeah, uh, would where does he rank for you in terms of the Bond villains we've seen so far? Yep. Where does Goldfinger sit for you? Who's your number one so far? Oh, good question. And and where does Goldfinger sit in relation to that? Give me what's a quick reminder of. Well, I so think... we've had Doctor No. Yep. We've had Ernst Stavro Blofeld. We've had uh, Doctor Kananga. We've had uh, Georgi and Brad Whitaker, or Necros, depending whoever you think is the lead. We've had Alec Trevelyan. We've had, <coughs> bullshit, Gustav Graves. <laughs> and we've had uh, Audit Goldfinger. I yeah. think it's a real neck and neck between Goldfinger and... Live and Life Dies villain. Kananga. 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 Mm. I was going to say the exact same thing. Mm. Yeah. I think that's an equal second. I think Kananga and Goldfinger are yeah. on par for second for me. The second. Is, I'm going to guess. Trevelyan's your number one? Absolutely. Yeah, mm. yeah. 
Yeah, I would say Kananga and Goldfinger are my mm. are my my yeah. favourites so far. I just find them so charismatic. Yeah, and I I feel a life outside of the films with them. Mm. I particularly feel that with Goldfinger. Mm. I feel like I could have watched a film that, f- that featured that it kind of focused on Goldfinger. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Mm. Which I guess I could see a little bit with Trevelyan and Kananga. But I really see it with Goldfinger. Yeah, Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Um, Our our secondary villain, I guess, is Oddjob. I know he's a henchman, but um, it would have to be be Oddjob. He's our first... uh, Oh, no, he's not our first henchman, I guess. We've seen seen Teehee and a couple of others. Yeah, yeah. Thoughts on Odd Job, Jake? Because it's your first viewing of him, I want to get. I mean, iconic. I knew of Odd Job. I didn't even know what Bond film he was in, but I knew he was a key Bond villain. And again, one of my preconceived notions of a Bond film is that there is a a key henchman um, who is a very difficult match for Bond, and usually has some kind of um, interesting weapon or ability quirk. Yeah, yeah, that they've got a they've got a skill or a quirk or something like that. Whether it be a Jaws or whether it be a Xenia or yeah, Odd Job is is the original, I guess. Um, but as a character on screen, I mean, great presence, really quite intimidating, really. Um, just. That final fight sequence in Fort Knox was really... It had me on edge. It, it, it did. I thought the way he was performing that was like, ooh, this guy is a really tough opponent for yeah. Bond. Like, the, the, the diving and swinging around and everything like that is like, mm. he, he's hard to beat, this guy. And, and I, I will say to his credit, he, he communicates a lot without any dialogue. So I think I'm going to be controversial. I think Hot Job's stupid. It's <laughs> oh, awful. Why? Why? It's a stupid idea, decapitating or injuring people with a hat. Right. It looks like you could pick him up and throw him. I don't, uh, do you think? <laughs> yes. he looks, he's massive. He's a nugget. Not, he's not, a solid unit. Not compared to Sean Connery, he's not. Oh, he's huge compared to Sean no, Connery. Sean Connery's got a chest like a fridge. He's oh. massive. Sean Connery's very uh, tall, but... Uh, Harold Sakata, he's a, he was a real life wrestler. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's like he's like the Rock, lowest center of gravity. Yeah, I don't know. He doesn't. Odd job doesn't do it for he me. He never has. Never has. I don't find him intimidating. I don't agree that he has a strong screen presence. I think that the only thing Odd job has going for him is his iconography. I think that's it. In right. terms of it being a, a henchman with a bowler hat, exactly, or top hat, whatever exactly. it is, mm. and he's small. I think. He's all surface. There's no depth to one job at all. Yeah, I, I will agree. There's no depth to him. I mean, I'm not going. Oh, what's he thinking? Yeah. But he's kind of got that. Uh, he's got the element that I like about a henchman, where I'm kind of going. Oh, he is just physical. There's nothing. There's nothing uh, and that's psychological what a about henchman him. Needs to be yeah, a physical like, obstacle for Bond. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to kill you. Why? Doesn't because I was told to. Because my boss said so. Yeah. Boss said so, he pays me. You're going down. And that, I think, is a terrifying thing because you can't ration, uh, rationalise with that. Yeah. Um, that's also projecting as a person, which I think a lot of these early Bond films kind of ask you to do. Yeah. 
um, they kind of ask you to go, oh, what would you do in this position? Blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, odd job stands out for me, I think. I think you're right that there isn't much to him outside of the iconography, but I think without odd job, uh, we don't have a lot of the very iconic villains that come. We don't yeah. have Jaws. Mm. I don't think we even have Xenia on the top. Mm. It, odd job is kind of, he's, he's less, instead of just being a, a faceless hitman, he kind of goes, it's the hitman with a quirk. Yeah. They're, it's their quirky way of dispatching. He's a comic book villain. He, That's what he is a bit, he, yeah, he is a bit comic book, but I think that kind of works for, mm. uh, for, for, for the Bond kind of universe. Mm. But we don't get these kind of henchmen in the Craig films, do we? Uh, we do. We come close. Do we? We come yeah. close with Dave Hinks. Bautista. Yeah, Dave yeah. Bautista's Hinks uh, um, is a bit odd jobby. Okay. Doesn't say anything apart from shit. That's his one line in the film. <laughs> right. Uh, and he has the... he has His thing is that he has two uh, silver thumbnails which he uses to push through... Ooh, the eyes of eyes. his, oh, yeah, of his uh... <laughs> what about henchmen for you Dabs do you find that uh, Bond needs a, a really good henchman I like what, the, what do you like I like what you said about the, the physical threat this, the, the blockage that he needs to pass it's like it's what's confusing is that we've seen films where the henchman dies after the main villain we've seen mm. films where the henchman dies before the main villain so you've got to wonder what they present to Bond symbolically Sure. You know, in the kind of structure of a story, are they the? Well, odd job dies before. Odd job Goldfinger. dies before. Yes. I think that's the better system, which, which signifies that Goldfinger is our main. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Villain. Whereas Tehe was the I final really fight. Tihi. I really mm. like Tehe. I really like Tehe. I don't know. I think I just want to believe my henchman. I want to believe that someone could be this person. That they could d- d- devote their life to this. We thing. really got that from T. You got know, the joy and the fact that you could kind of feel a life outside of what we're seeing. Yeah. Yes. Whereas with Odd Job, you you don't really get a sense of that. No. I I I'll agree. In terms of, I mean, we did a bit of ranking for the for the villains. Yeah. I would say I'm going to kick off the ranking. Yeah. I think Necros. Necros is great. Xenia, mm. and Tihi rate for me above. Odd job. Sure. I would even say that Irma Bunt from uh, Honor Majesty's rates above Odd Job for What's... me. Oh, yeah. yeah, I- yeah. Irma Bunt is uh, the one who ends up killing Tracy at the end. Yeah. What's little, his quirk? Little, little short. It, it's, oh, it's the red-headed woman. Lady. The red-headed woman. The German woman who is oh, yes. she she's in of control of the, of the girls. His glory. The, yeah, the, the angel of death. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's something about her that I, I find really charismatic. I think yeah. her performance in that film is quite captivating. I will agree. I don't think Harold Cicada is the... I, I don't think Oddjob is the best character. But I think without him, we don't have some of the best. Do we believe that he is a physical obstacle for Bond? I, I do. Um, purely because... In those frames where Bond is in close hand-to-hand combat with him, mm-hmm. Bond looks very small compared to him. Right. Odd job takes up so much of the frame. Mm. He's just like... He may not be the tallest, most imposing figure in terms of that way, but 
width-wise than Geyser. <laughs> He's a I mean, tree. you wouldn't want He's him running trunk. at you. Yeah, you wouldn't want him running at you. Mm. Um, what do you think, Dad? Do you think he's a physical match, a, a, a strong enough obstacle? I don't think so. You don't get it. Nah. Yeah, you don't no, get I don't that. Buy it. Yeah. Yeah, it's mm. interesting. Mm. It's funny too. Uh, one of the things I find a little bit Just odd run about away from him. Odd big job. long legs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get that. But one of the things that I find confusing about the establishment of Odd Job is that his gimmick is he throws a hat which can decapitate a stone statue. Yep. But when it gets thrown at Tilly Masterson, she just gets knocked out, killed, well, yeah, yeah, by brain damage. She doesn't I lose guess. her head. Doesn't lose her head because apparently flesh is stronger, stronger than, than stone. stone. <laughs> but the other thing that they introduce into uh, the odd job equation, which is not kind of, I mean, it kind of is in the way that he's impervious to Bond's attacks, but it's not really delivered upon in the the final showdown. Is the way that when Odd Job picks up the golf ball and he crushes it in his hand and he turns it to powder. Yeah, there's no payoff, is there? Not really. Mm. And it's funny because I remember reading somewhere that Sean Connery was very against that idea when they were shooting it. They were like, he said, <coughs> he said, he shouldn't crush the golf ball. That's ridiculous. No one could crush a golf ball. That just... No one's going to believe that. Mm -hmm. And Hamilton said to him, if we see him do something so impossible, when we see you fight him at the end, we have that in our mind that he's a real danger and obstacle for Bond at the end. But I don't think that's entirely delivered upon. Mm. For me, because he gets a couple of shots on Bond, and they're wounding, but they're not more wounding than any other shot would be from any other kind of burly mm, henchman. No. You know what I mean? Mm. It's not like he's sent flying across the room. It's not like there's kind of this superhuman strength that really, you know, kind of whittles Bond down. Yeah, he gets up and recovers from them with relative ease. I yeah. Think. I think there is a kind of inconsistency with odd job strength. Mm. Mm. Because, yes, at the end there, it doesn't really seem to take too much wind out of Bond when odd job lays a few on him. Mm. And yet, earlier in the piece, we see odd job walk up behind Bond and judo chop him <laughs> on the neck, and he's knocked out for what? Six hours. to 12 hours. Yeah. yeah, enough to paint, enough to kill. A woman, yeah, and then paint her in gold, and then lie her out across the bed, <laughs> completely nude. Little bit of inconsistency as to his strength. Also, maybe why... he was going easy on him there in the final battle. I don't know. Why don't they kill Bond there? That's that came across my mind. They don't know who time. he is yet. But why run the risk? Yeah, he's, he's, a guy already, who's he's messing already with fucked this? with you. He's cost Goldfinger fifteen thousand dollars in nineteen sixty four. That's a fuck ton of money, yeah. particularly for a man who loves wealth. Yes, kill him and loves winning. Like it's the it's his ego is wounded as well. Yeah, he dispatches he dispatches her for being a traitor. Yes. Yeah, but not the person that puts her up to it. Yeah, mm. wouldn't you kill Bond? I mean, I know why they don't kill Bond because otherwise yes. we don't have a Bond movie. But yeah. it feels a little convenient that. Yeah. 
feels a little convenient, mm. particularly when you get odd job to do the dispatching. And then he gives in again with the laser. Yeah. yeah. I Yeah, I do. That moment always... When I was a kid, I was like, oh, yes, he knows something about Operation Grand Slam. But he also goes, 008 knows about it, and they'll send him to replace me. Mm. And Goldfinger even says, well, hopefully he has more luck. Yeah. And it's like, well, if he knows everything that you know, killing you is not going to do anything. (laughs) It just means they... If anything, it gives Goldfinger more time... Because then they have to send out a new agent yeah. and kind of Figure infiltrate out the organisation again. Dead. Within yeah. which time, which is a weekend, yeah. he would fulfil his plan. It's it's not great forethought. It's there's not great planning from Mr. Goldfinger. <laughs> no, a lot of it is about making sure it appears as if Bond is in control, so that they leave him to it, as if there's no communication between Bond and. Yeah, my six while he's on assignment yeah. as well. Mm. In, in that same way that they kind of go, oh, the gas has been switched so that it's not the, you know, the, 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 the knockout gas, gas or whatever it is. Mm. Um, yeah, is it death gas or knockout gas? Because that's the thing. They they kind of because it kills the mobsters in the room. But apparently they're just going to knock everyone out for twenty four hours. Because that's what Goldfinger over. Says, right? Yeah. So it's like, well, what is the gas like? Yeah. Does what, it kill you it or not? Yeah. Um, but in that same way. Uh, the way that we get that gas switched over is through Bond appealing to Pussy Galore's maternal, maternal instincts. instincts. I didn't get that line. It was a weird Freudian line too, because it's like, wait, 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 you just shagged her. Yeah. <laughs> what, what about that is maternal? Wait. What about what you just did with her reminds you of your mother? Yeah. <laughs> like, hello? <laughs> Um, yeah. Which brings us on to our, our third villain of the yes. piece, who is also our, our Bond woman, uh, Pussy Galore. Yeah. You don't, don't understand the purpose of the Masterson sisters on, on yeah, Bond Yeah, a bit women. of a red herring. Well, really. yeah, they're kind of, they're kind of they allies. They're not the villains. They, they are trying to take down... I mean, well, mm-hmm. Tilly in particular is trying to take down Goldfinger in revenge for her sister. Yes. Yeah, well, she's just useless, Tilly. The first one gets us into the world. Tilly serves no purpose. Jill, Jill Masterson, Jill. the one that gets painted gold. Yes, yeah. gets us into the world. Yeah. Tilly gets us caught, I guess. Yeah, I mean, without She a... does, because her gun hits the sensor in the yeah. base. Yeah. I mean, you almost wish that she was the main Bond girl mm. of the piece. It's what they would have done in later years. Yeah, yeah. or maybe even... In earlier years, well, like true. with, you know, the hun- I mean, it's the Honey Rider thing again of like, he killed my father. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I-, I agree. Tilly Masterson is a little bit of a, it's a bit of a red herring, really. Mm. Because Bond's already on Goldfinger's trail. Yeah. And then we're like, oh, oh, there's this female femme fatale She's that's going to try and that's kill, gonna kill Bond. Bond and she misses the shot. And so he ends up railing her off the road and all that kind of stuff. And then you're like, oh, but she's after Goldfinger. And so you're like, oh, that just slowed the, the plot just down. To have because we were killed. already chasing him to that factory. And so she doesn't really serve anything. And there's not enough time. We don't spend enough time with her. Bond doesn't spend enough time with her for us to care that she dies anyway. Yeah. You know? Like, you care more about Jill Masterson, her sister. Yes. Who gets killed 
I mean, really through no fault of her own. Yeah. I mean, both of them get killed because of Bond. Yeah. Bond tells her to run. Uh, tells Tilly to run through the forest and she Oddjob jumps out and cops it with the hat. chops her head. Yeah. And uh, Bond shagging Jill Masterson is Gets what ends up getting her spray-painted gold and suffocated. Yeah. I mean, horrible ends to both of these women. Mm. You almost want that to weigh on Bond a little bit more. Yeah, and it never does. Never does. He never... That's, that Unflappable. is the thing it's Connery. with Connery. It's like, oh, well... The Connery Bonds don't... They don't really care about anyone but Connery's Bond, mm. which makes him a little psychopathic. Mm. I hate when people kind of lay that on and they go, oh, well, James Bond is just a psychopath. And it's like, all right, great. We've all read the psychopath test. We all know pop psychology. Yeah. But there is an element with Connery's Bond where you're like, do you care about anyone but yourself? Mm. And it's not done in a super compelling way where you're like, that's a flaw of the character. Mm. It's almost like it's meant to be a, a strength of the character. Yeah. It's a celebrated aspect. That he's of so Connery's strong and bond. he can yeah, persevere. Like, I don't and... care. I'll fuck who I want. I'll kill who I want. Mm. I might do the same thing to, to you know, same I might person. do both to, <laughs> to one person. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of un- uninteresting. Maybe it was the, you know... The soup de jour of the sixties, <laughs> but I think we definitely demand a little bit more yeah. nowadays. Not yeah. to get you know PC or whatever about it, but I think we. No, do. but I agree with that. Just in terms of like the bond that I want to see on the screen. Yeah, yeah, I and think maybe more, that's the more reference of it in Spades, actually. Yeah, you know, and maybe that's the lack of connection I feel with with. Connery's Bond that I mm. mentioned at the start that I feel that there's a kind of wall there. Yeah, and it's why when people say, oh, I wish Connery had done Honor Majesties, I'm glad he hadn't. Mm. Because I don't think we have that amazing scene at the end of Honor Majesties with Connery. I don't think we have that same emotional yeah. gut punch of that's quite alright, she's just sleeping. Mm. Connery's Bond would just be like, Oh well. Oh well. Yeah, I don't think he's got the capacity. I don't think that Bond has yeah. the capacity. Which is strange because I think Connery as an actor definitely, definitely has that 100%. capacity. Because in films outside of Bond, he shows extraordinary emotional range. Yeah. I mean, the man's an Oscar winner, for God's sake. Yeah. We, we briefly touched on it, but we got sidetracked with Masterson. It's our, our final villain and final Bond girl. Yep. Pussy Galore. Pussy Galore. Awful name. It, it's not a great name. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. It's, <laughs> I don't get it. It's uh, meant to be a double entendre, but I don't know what the other meaning of it is apart yeah. from plenty of vagina. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I, mean, I who's don't called know. Pussy? Yeah, who is called pussy? Galore, I get it. Galore, I can maybe, maybe. Maybe. Depends where she's from. Sure. Pussy? Absolutely not. Yeah. That's not a real name. <laughs> That's absolutely not her real name. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> but are we as forgiving as um, of, sorry, on a top? Mm. Uh, look, she <sighs> only, her name only exists because of Pussy Galore. Yes, and I think I give Xenia on a top a pass more so mm. because they don't. Both they don't aren't. keep calling her on a top. They, like, they don't keep senior. referencing it as yeah. throughout the film. And also Brosnan's reaction to her saying on a 
on a top. <laughs> like, <laughs> he kind of calls attention to the fact of like, are you serious? Mm. Whereas Pussy Galore, they do have a similar moment of, I must be dreaming. Yeah. Mm. Which is a great line. It's an iconic moment. Uh, but every time, <laughs> every time he's like, Pussy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, oh, stop, 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 stop. What's her real name? Helen? Call her Helen. Please call her Helen. Push it. It's, it's, it is too, it's too much. Um, apart from that, I think Honor Blackman's fantastic. In She's this. a pretty damn good character, I yeah. think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she is. Where does she rank for you? In terms of the Bond mm. women. Because I will say, I'll start us off. Isabella Skorupko's uh, Natalia Semyonova mm-hmm. is still on top for me so far of the yeah. seven we've seen. Yeah. Carla Milovi is uh, second. And then I would say Pussy is third. Right. Ms. Galore is third. <laughs> Galore. I don't like saying that name. <laughs> I would say that Kara from The Living Daylights is my number one. Yeah. Although her... Yeah. Where does Solitaire come in? Where does Solitaire come into? Oh, I, was just, Solitaire. I was just thinking about I Solitaire. I think Solitaire sits... She's got a bit of a broken logic, which is what hurts her. Yeah, I think she sits as, number four. As a I fully fleshed out character. Ms. Galore and then Solitaire. I can't say it. Don't look at me like that, Jake. I can't say <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I think... Um, you want to get sued? I'd, I'd go pussy second. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Watch first. <laughs> Cara. Yeah. Wow. And Natalia's... Natalia, you know... Third. Yeah, okay. third for Natalia. All right. Hang on. Who did you... Who's your first? Cara. Cara. We love the you. Living Daylights. Then Solitaire? No, then uh. Pussy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Cara. Pussy. <laughs> Natalia. Natalia. Okay, yeah. that's all right. Yeah. I think I'm same, the same, same as you. But different. A bit the same, yeah. I think I'm the same as you. Say it out loud. Natalia. Yeah. Number one. There's number one. There's Galore. And. Ah, uh, see, for me, I was Kara second. Oh, you were Kara. And I think uh, Ms. Galore is third. Oh, see, I don't And think... then Solitaire, wow. and then then Tracy. What's what's the criteria? And then Honey. What? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, then. Yeah. Way, 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 down. way down is Jinx. <laughs> no one goes way below Jinx. Um, you know what's the criteria for That's for a good Bond girl? Pike. Yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't rate enough for me. No, she and doesn't. she's a henchman more for me than, she a, is a, than a Bond girl. She's not a Bond girl. You know? Even though Zenya, uh, uh, even Zenya, yeah, Zenya's a henchman. So yeah, I don't, I don't a henchman. rank her. Yeah. Do you do you need a Bond girl to be? Capable. Yes. Is that one of the key criteria for a Bond girl? It is for me. If that's the case, then... I don't think capable... I think... I don't like them when they choice. flail around. I don't like them when they flail around and they're at the, they're at the whim of Bond's actions. I think capable is the wrong word. Just right. to be more... Yeah, because we've got to put a pin... We've got to put... I want a, I want a specific I think criteria. I'm not a, Capable's I'm not, not a, the wrong word for me, I will say. I, I, capable I don't want to get, I need. again, PC, because I'm not just not that type yeah, of guy. Yeah. Well, I don't think any of us But are. capable implies that she matches Bond. Whereas oh, see, I think I, capability I, is more, for me, just realism. 
That, that you're making your own decisions, that you're thinking... The choices. You, what does capability mean for you? Well, I wouldn't say that capability means that she's on Bond's level, because I think Bond is the usually uh, the most capable mm-hmm. in terms of any situation. Um, but I, I need her to be capable in the field that she is kind of... Uh, learned in sure if you know what i mean like natalia. so natalia she's a computer analyst mm. and she's fucking good at that yeah she doesn't then pick up a machine gun and know exactly how to brrr, you know she's not a sharpshooter you know what i mean I, I don't want that yeah but there are there are bond girls in the series i would say actually honey rider pretty fucking useless I know I said that she wasn't in our first episode, but the m- further I get away from her and seeing other Bond girls in the series, yeah. Honey Rider doesn't do anything. Mm. Yeah. She just stands there and, and looks no pretty. Sense. She mm. makes no sense. Kara mm. is capable in her field. She's an extraordinarily accomplished cellist. And she learns as it goes on. She has to learn on the fly but she doesn't then become superhuman mary sue kind of oh i know everything and i'm just as good as james you know what i mean uh in the same way that that ms galore is in this film (laughs) she's a fantastic ace pilot and she's a you know accomplished judo you know martial artist Mm. how have you qualify that mm. that's what i mean by capable within their established field sure i think that for, for me is that what capable is i need them to actually be good at what they're meant to be good at right. and i think there are bond girls which we haven't seen yet Ooh, no we did see in die another day i think they're useless in well, another day in live and let die as well the uh CIA. Oh, she, yeah, she's horrible. She's horrible. Mm, she's yeah. so... Oh, she's Not capable in her field. She's a buffoon. Yeah. I mean, Stacey Sutton in A View to a Kill stands out for me, where right. I'm just like, what are you doing here? Right. You just get in the way. You're a damsel. You're a complete damsel. Mm. Um, yeah, we don't want damsels. Uh, no, we don't no. want helpless screaming out for James, help, help me, help me. Yes. Um, but at the same time, we don't necessarily need someone to be able to pick up a machine gun and, and mow down everyone and and be and yeah. trying to to be an equal to Bond. They yeah. don't, they don't you don't need, need them to, to outdo what Bond is doing because Bond is your hero and Bond's the one that you want to see save the day. Yeah, you've come to see a Bond movie. Yeah, I mean, if you're expecting anything else, mm. don't come and see a Bond movie. So you say that you don't class Xenia as a Bond woman because she's a henchman. Oh, no, she is a Bond woman, I think, by, by nature of being a woman yep. and in a Bond film. Yep. But uh, I would say her primary thing is, is that of villain, villainess slash henchwoman. You don't see Ms. Galore as a henchwoman? I do, but I don't see... Maybe that's a problem with... Goldfinger is that I maybe she is a henchwoman that turns good 
And maybe there isn't really a Bond girl in this film. That's what I don't like about that barn scene with yeah. Pussy Galore. Yeah. It's is that me. they shoehorn her into being a Bond girl. Yeah. And she doesn't need to be. And when they end up at the end of the film, and I know I said in the GoldenEye episode that I love it when they end on a kiss. Yeah. Not that type of kiss. Yeah. That feels rushed to me as well. That feels like a tacked on, don't know how to end it kind of ending. You know what I mean? Where he kind of pulls the parachute over and he goes, this is no time to be rescued. It's yeah. like, mm, uh, yeah. Does she uh, want to be... I, I, don't get the f- I don't get the feeling that those two mm. really have the hots for each other. No. It'd be much more interesting if they parted ways on even terms of yeah. like... Thanks for helping us out. You she know, you shakes really his hand pull, and jumps yeah, in her plane yeah, and kisses yeah, off. Yeah, and like, she jumps off with a flying circus of ladies. <laughs> 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 That's more interesting to me. I, I, I like. I'd like to see that a little bit more. Doesn't mean that James Bond has to turn down his randiness. I think that's quite good when he. He's, you know, of course he's trying to root everything that comes his way because he's James Bond. Mm-hmm. But I don't have think a bit he, of class about it. Though. Yes, he should have class about it. But I also don't think he necessarily needs to succeed. And I don't think him not getting the girl should be a loss. Is any kind of yeah damage to his masculinity? He's still or the damage, fucking coolest guy in the room. Yeah. Damage to the audience's masculinity. Yeah. It was just insecurity on behalf of filmmakers back then. I, guess, yeah. I don't think the audience would have really cared. If- yeah, I, I think it. I think it weakens her character personally. Yeah. I think it weakens her character to have her end up kissing Bond in the barn and that being the thing that compels her to change sides. Mm. I find that really... That's a weak character motivation. Like, he's that good a bonker that she ended up going, oh, I'm going to give up millions of dollars Mm. because he gave me a really good shagging. Mm. It's like, what character motivation? Especially when, you know, her opening lines are, I'm immune. You know, yes. she's established. They really thing. set up that kind of. It, it's a strange thing. So, if you're gonna go down that route, then we really need to see quite a lot of detailed, you know, character explanation as to how and why she is eventually won over, and, yeah. and all of this stuff is kind of just whipped up really quickly, and they're rolling around in the parachute together. We move on now to the MI6 regulars. Yeah. M? Yes. M's excellent. He gets a good little scene mm. in there. Oh, yeah. I love this M. I'd say, I think he's my favourite M. Oh. Connery's M. Yeah, that <gasps> goes on into more. Yeah. Better than Judy? You? Yeah. Oh, really? yeah. this yeah, is like a change you, of you, tune. You, well, every time he comes on, you do have a really like... Yeah, I really like him. You have yeah. a strong response to him. Mm. I think he's definitely... Because we have all said that Judy Dench is our M. She's definitely my... M in terms of nostalgia, but I think my my favourite M character is this guy. Right. Yeah. Right. Putting nostalgia aside. Putting nostalgia aside. Right. He's a better. See, M. I refuse to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you You're a stronger man than me, Doug. You don't seem entirely won over. By I'm not. Bernard Lee. No, I'm not. Although I do love him in in um, uh, Live and Let Die. I yeah. thought that was a great little scene. Um, I don't know. Yeah, there are elements to... Because this is the fourth Bernard Lee M scene we've seen. Yeah, yeah. He does still seem like a grumpy old man. Um, (laughs) You don't like that. Well, look, I mean, it's it's a choice. 
It's a choice. But I do agree with you, and you've said this before, that I like I like the M Bond relationship being adversarial. That there's that there's butting heads. Yes. Um, yeah. He does it very well. I do actually. Uh, there is an element to him that I really enjoy of how flippant he can be with Bond. Of like that he's all he always gives me the impression. I do love this about him that he's got better things to do, or he's got other stuff going on in his life where it's like, yes, you. What are you doing? You yes, go off and do that. I'm I'm busy. You know, over here. Uh, I got a little bit of that. I think I got a little bit of that out of this one too. Like that he just kind of. Bond seems to be a bit of a thorn in his side. Mm. Mm. Yeah. He's alright. He's <laughs> not my M, but he's alright. Money Penny was great. Ah, oh, she's always good, isn't she? Yeah. I think this is the most beautiful that Lois Maxwell looks She was as, quite striking. She's just in the one Penny. scene. Yeah. 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 It's funny, she's only ever really in the one scene in these films, yeah. but she's such a presence mm. she is she always she always makes a mark with you she handles that dialogue so well so well gold the kind of one that should be on your yeah on well, the third, third finger, finger on your, on your left, left hand, hand. Oh, we should talk about that too. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful she the way she that. she throws the hat up oh it lands on the hook god i love that that was great it's beautiful <laughs> Oh, it's so lovely. Yeah. Q, um, we, Q we've talked about a little bit. We did yeah, talk about Q, about yeah. It, Very dirty fingers. <laughs> I don't I know if you noticed that in the close-ups. There's Probably so much... <laughs> yes. Which busy building it kind gadgets. of works yeah. for Q, but it is a strange thing to see in a movie someone with such grubby hands <laughs> and such unkempt nails. Nails. They're so mm-hmm. oddly grown. <laughs> Q's always reliable, I think. I, you know, yeah, this is the first one where Desmond Llewellyn really kind of steps into the role and makes it his own. Mm. Which, in which film do we see Jungle Q? That's what I'm looking forward to. Jungle I have this faint memory of Jungle Q. Yes. Uh, oh, Christ. This is mm. testing me now. Some little khaki shorts. Oh, really? It's, mm. it's either Octopussy or The Spy Who Loved Me. Mm. Okay. I know he gets into the field. He goes into the field around those jungle films. clothes. Yeah. Mm. Oh my God! He goes out into the <laughs> oh, into the world. Yeah. Q gets pretty involved in some of the later ah. Roger Moore films, particularly License to Kill. Uh, I'll be in, uh, I won't spoil that, but I'll be interested to see what you think about where's too much of Q getting into the field. Mm-hmm. It's all a balance, this whole thing. It's all yeah, a spinning It's a very tender act. balance, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Well, the final thing we talk about yes. each week. Felix. Just oh, Felix, of course. Felix. So we always forget Felix. Because mm. it, it's written MI6 regulars. You should just put regulars. Well, I think it's also the fact that it's like he never really does anything. Yeah, he kind of doesn't, does he? No. Like, we always end up talking about the other allies. Like, we always mm. talk about Quarrel and, and you know, yeah, those yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. Jack Wade and stuff. But Felix doesn't... I mean, he's meant to be more important than I think he is. See, mm. Slinder, I think, in this film does a fine job. Yeah. No problems, really. He's, He's no Jeffrey Wright. He's no David Hedison. Yeah. 
shout out to Bond ally Golf Caddy. <laughs> oh yes, he was quite good. He was good. Absolutely, he good. was very good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No small parts. No small parts. Mm, that's There's right. Been a few of those little cameo kind of day player roles pop up. Going to the golf course, mm. all three of us uh, remarked upon a certain outfit that was being worn after the uh, the golf game. Yes. Uh, my favourite one. Yeah. Your favourite. I'm right. That, that would be your favourite. That's my favourite. I think that's probably high in the running for my favourite Bond outfit. <gasps> Ever? Mm, ever. Really? Oh, yeah. It's that's very the first you. Bond, it's the first very Bond outfit you. where I've gone to Wiker with. You really yeah. did get excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. really let out. very nice. Yeah, you dress very similarly to that. Mm. I saw that. Bloody so I could stylish. see you rocking something like mm. that. It's bloody stylish very and nice. timeless, that. Yeah. Really Completely. classic. Just a brown straight pant. Mm. Yeah. Tweedish jacket, knit tie. Yeah, but knit tie, knit tie is galore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Knit tie. he had a few different colours of the knit tie. He really yeah. did, yeah. There was a, there was a yellow one with the, with the brown suit, wasn't it? Was there? I don't know. With the, with the brown suit? Yellow. No. Was it yellow? Like a light mustardy yellow? I can't Maybe. remember. Well, it could have been. I, I remember a nice uh, navy kind of knit tie. Yeah, and a green. Uh, oh, was there a green? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just having... I mean, he'd pull any of them off. <laughs> Throwing the knit... colours out. Throwing colours out. The knit tie is, is very... Everything I see. <laughs> very Fleming. Very Fleming. The knit tie is, really? Yeah, Fleming. Fleming. I remember you mentioning that in The Living Daylight. Yeah, Fleming mm. wrote that he would always wear a knit tie. So it's quite nice to see that being incorporated. Bond do that. Um, you had a nice favourite suit. The, uh, oh, pardon me. It's quite late. <laughs> <laughs> the the grey check. Oh, the three-piece. Mm. Yeah, that yeah. grey three-piece when he's in uh, Kentucky. That is a, uh, it's a damn fine suit. Absolutely. I, I really love it. It's very iconic. I... I don't think there's a bad outfit in this film, actually. Did we get a tactical bond? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did. At, um, well, at Geneva. Yep, when he's sneaking around there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the, in the opening. And the scuba suit with there. The scuba yeah. suit, that's yeah. tactical. Turns into the white dinner jacket. We need tactical bond. Tactical bond. It's yeah. a necessity. Yeah. Do you think we got enough tactical bond in this? For the time, yeah. Oh, okay. Because... Mm. I, I thought There's it never a, enough tactical. Yeah, yeah. That's the problem with tactical. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was finding that. I did want to see... I did want to see a bit more of it. Yeah. Because um, he spends a lot of... A lot of time in the same suit throughout this film. Well, by the time he gets to the stud, he's really in that same outfit for, for quite a while. Quite a while, It is yeah. one, of, one of the... The more memorable outfits, that grey three-piece, but he does spend quite a bit of time in it. Yeah. What What's your favourite outfit in this? I mean, you can't go past the white dinner jacket. Really? The white, the white dinner, dinner jacket? jacket. Yeah, right at the start. I think mm. as soon as he takes that scuba suit off and bang, there it is. Would you wear a white dinner jacket? I would. Would you? Yeah, you'd, would. yeah you'd pull that off. Thank you. Mm. Yeah, you would pull that off. Mm. I'd just take it off. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a least favourite outfit? Um, Was there anything I'm in this? not overly impressed with the golfing outfit. What? The, really? The one that he wears the, the on pl- the golf. The plum sweater. Yeah, the... plum. Oh, I love it. Not much of a fan of the plum oh, sweater I, with I'm... the grey collar sticking out. Well, fuck you because I'm getting that sweater. <laughs> Son of a bitch. You can have it. 
and no, there'll be no it. competition for it. I love it. I think he looks like an absolute gentleman. That's your least favourite. Yeah. I, well, look, I, it's the one that stood out to me of going, mm, yeah, then I don't feel better. Mm. What, what, what's the least favourite outfit for you? Uh, you would rather wear the, the Terry Towling light blue onesie, short, short onesie that he wears. Oh, getting around, breaking in, into Goldfinger's yeah. Pub? Yeah. I think my least favourite outfit would be, and I know you commented that you'd like it, so yeah. sorry. No, no, no. To offend you. <laughs> but the, uh, the, the light blue dressing gown zip up. Yep. Oh, the onesie. Yeah, the, yeah, onesie, the, the onesie, onesie thing. Yeah. That was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> the one I said I would wear before the plum sweater. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I'm in agreement with you. I like that yeah. outfit. I could never wear it. You wear it at home. Yeah, never. In the privacy. Yeah, never in the privacy. <laughs> but I think that's... The, if I had to pick a worst... Yeah. It would be that. It would be the golf that's outfit. That's the DNA. Moron. <laughs> Bond always has a kooky outfit. Remember? That, that's the blue one in Live and Let Die. It's the same... It's speaking well, to the same... Well, hang on. Yeah. I don't know whether the blue onesies are on the same level as, as the, the double blue with the white mesh singlet. Don't you? I think uh, it's no. the same DNA, though. It's... Yeah, there's, yeah. there's well, speaking to each other. No, but no, it, it's, there's also, a lot of it's revealing. also DNA... Uh, DNA. Pierce Brosnan's stupid... Um, oh, Cuba shirt. Cuba yes. shirt. Yes. Oh, There's yeah, always the one. Yeah. There's always one where you're, it's a bit daggy. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not always. But Tell you another um, honourable mention for me. For, uh, what? His daggiest would probably be, even though I've mentioned that I really like it, the Casino Royale uh, Hawaiian shirt. Oh, it's yeah. It's not very Bond, but it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I love that shirt. I do too. <laughs> yeah. One other memorable, um, honourable mention I'd like to make. Oh yeah, is uh, the swimmers, the swim trunk, the blue swim trunks in Miami. When he's getting massage. Yeah, at the start, before he puts I on think, the toweling uh, blue. Very good, very good colouring. Yeah, before he puts on the. Uh, very dark, very dark. Yeah, the darker the blue. Dark speedo. Tonks. Yes, yes. Mm. Yeah. Another kind of. Uh, Bit sexist moment there where he's like, yeah. man talks, man <laughs> talks, <laughs> bank her away. Yikes, a uh, different time, the 60s. <laughs> um, our own our final thing that we always go on to before the ratings. Mm. Technically, now you've said you've you've praised Guy Hamilton in the past with Live and Let Die. Yeah, I think this is again, I mean, he's a fantastic director, feels like a different director in this film, really. Yeah, I mean, you know. The traits are all there, but you can see that he worked on it and uh, and improved on the ideas. You think Live and Let Die is the better absolutely, film? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I had that feeling too. Yeah, yeah. But it's, you know, as I've said, great use of motion and all the standard stuff is good. It's just not really pushing any kind of visual boundaries, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. I don't really have much to add on that because I'm not well versed in that kind of. No, thing. not cinematic language or anything. There wasn't I don't know what the that hell stood that, out to me. But... That that fucking aspect ratio is though. Oh yeah, you mentioned that since it started. Yeah, a little narrower than sixteen nine. Yeah. Quite a tall one. Bit of yeah, those skinny little that, black that edges. There. Always drives me nuts. I just wish they were all shot in the same fucking ratio. Mm-hmm. I just. It would be nice if they just did that. I don't know why 
They are all tastes. shot tastes. so different. Different tastes. Uh, it feels. Cinematographers. It feels monetary as well. It feels like penny pinching at points. Maybe, yeah. Because that kind of cinema scope, you know, it's kind of rare in the sixties. Well, not in the. Big it was only films. in the well, yeah, but they were so few. I guess the these weren't well, tent poles until Goldfinger. This though. is that's, a three million dollar film. True. This isn't a you know a fifty million dollar Ben Hur or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. What were the budgets on those films? Were they the the big the big blockbusters like of, Spartacus and Ben Hur? It'd be interesting to see what the budgets are comparatively because mm. I feel like three million in the sixties. That's a fair. I'd really like to hear the argument um, for the creative choice behind an aspect ratio. You know, is there well, a creative choice? There behind, is. You know, if you, if you have a DP that go, no, no, we should shoot it in this aspect ratio because of this creative choice, as opposed to a financial or logical or practical choice. There is, but it's one of those choices that that is very hard to articulate and based a lot on feeling. And two people could have completely different viewpoints and argue them validly. Right. You know, I mean... It's more what to a person feels the best in terms of, oh, that's my favourite shape. I mean, sometimes it can come down to set design. Right. You know, it it might be about maximising the height if you've got a particular... That might be one of the decisions that goes all you know, this is adaptable because we can use this aspect ratio in other scenes. And it means that when we get here... Like Fort Knox. Like Fort Knox, mm. we're seeing the lines aren't doing a weird thing or, you know, whatever it may be. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, I think that in this time... It depends on what we're capturing, what we're looking at. Well, I mean, the Bond, you've also got to remember that Bond became, as you said, that it didn't start out as that tentpole blockbuster thing. Mm. And that cinematic two three five look is associated with that idea, mm. right? From yeah, an audience yeah. perspective, and didn't as start well. out as prestige either. Not necessarily, no. Yeah. Would you say? Yeah, I don't think they did. No, at that stage, it's not prestige cinema. No. Well, it's, definitely it's the it's early popcorn, reviews right? of Doctor No were a bit like, eh, it's fine, but it captured like something X in the coming out or something. Well, yeah, you know, I guess so. Yeah, of, but yeah, it yeah. found its own yeah. thing. Yeah, I, I think yeah, you're probably right actually. Mm. When you said that about the height of a frame, there's, di- there's so many. Stuff. That's just one example, but like, there's so many different reasons as to why you might. I mean, look, the the, the thing that's coming to my head is I don't know if anyone has seen the Nightingale yet. Yes, Not yeah, yet. the Nightingale Australian film that I love that came out last year. It show Jennifer Kent spoken about some of her frame choices because it's shot in a 4-3 format which I thought was strange for a period prestige kind of story that is about nature because typically you want to kind of show scope when you present nature but because the characters are all confined in that world she chose a 4-3 letterbox aspect ratio so that the characters would feel confined and also mm. so that the, the, the painterly aspect of her frames matched a trend in the way paintings were done in that time, in that place. Oh, really? Were more in a square, so she kind of matched a lot of frame choices with what paintings did. So, you know, there's all hundred myriad different reasons why people might choose a different aspect ratio, and it's so personal, because the audience, the typical audience, will never kick and scream about it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get what they're given in that aspect. Right, aspect. Yeah. Oh. 
There you go. Well, that answers my question. It, yeah. I wanted to hear an argument for the creative choice. Well, I wonder if you can find that in the fact check, if there was an artistic or creative choice. Well, there's so much kind of yeah. resource on these Bond films. I mean, the special know. features on these films are endless, mm. particularly on those Ultimate Edition I'd like DVDs. to just get a frame from each movie and put them all side by side and see how the aspect ratio changed. We yeah. should do that. Mm. I think we should do that. Once yeah. we've once we've done all of these, I think we should go through. Oh, I mean, it'd be fascinating to see how they do change. Yeah. And when do they all become the same? Yeah. If. I mean, the, yeah. I, if, I reckon there's probably yeah. a, suspi- a surprise sneaking in, sneaking in there. Well, it's probably I, one from like the 80s or 70s or even 90s. It's a, a different aspect ratio. Well, I wonder, because a lot of No Time to Die is shot in IMAX format. Oh, yeah. Which Skyfall had uh, shot in for certain sequences. Mm. So I wonder if there is that same thing. I've never noticed the aspect ratio change when I watch Skyfall. Does it do it on the Blu-ray? I don't or if know. they just put a crop I don't know. overall? Because I know that the Dark Knight Rises does. Mm. The, the IMAX segments on that change... I remember them changing the cinema. I don't know if I remember them changing oh, on, the, on the Blu-ray. I do not notice this stuff. I feel I like I've watched you guys notice this it. Oh, look, I don't always notice it. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, I, uh, I would say all. Darby would notice it way more than I would. Mm. Well, gentlemen, yes. we've come to the end of uh, our review of 1964's Golden... Uh, <laughs> I keep doing that. You do. Golden Finger. Golden Finger. Goldfinger. We've come yes. to the end of Goldfinger. We now have to give... Our ratings. Jake. Yes. You haven't seen this before, so I'm going to let you go first. Is it shaken or stirred? And to which degree is it shaken or stirred? There is a part of me that was not very shaken with this movie. (gasps) (laughs) And there was a part of me that was quite stirred by it. So... Wait, that's the same thing. You just said the same <laughs> thing. I, do a I wasn't positive? shaken and I was stirred. I was double stirred. Look, I've, what I'm trying to say is I don't really know what I'm trying to say. And I'm on the fence about whether or not it is shaken or stirred. Oh. oh. He's, wow. On the fence. I am on the fence. So you're sitting at a five right now, is what you're telling five me. Or five six. or six. Look, don't be angry with me. Oh, I'll be angry with you. <laughs> this film had great moments. You be careful, because I'm going to fill a sock with double A batteries. <laughs> <laughs> I... It was missing a lot of stuff that I really like in Bond films. I don't know how I feel about Connery in this. A- aside from his treatment of women. Aside from that, yeah, I just yeah. think as he like just his performance, the choices that he makes, him as Bond, this weird connection problem that I have with him. Um, I'll be generous. It's a six. Shaken six. Yeah. Right, Darby. Well. I do, I do really love this movie. I maintain that I love it. Yeah. Um, I think just 
comparing it against itself, it does disappoint me a little bit. Comparing it against the bond, mm. against what that now means to me, what it's coming to mean to yeah. me. Um, lots of positives. Um, great set pieces, um, great set design, great well-told story, clear narrative, good villain, great locations, interesting Bond woman. But yeah, I think it falls flat in the more important areas that would take it to that higher tier. So I'm going to give it a shaken seven. Mm. Mm. Uh, Look, boys, (laughs) you've actually put me in a bit of a tough spot. Wow. Because there is something within me that makes me go, you can't rate Goldfinger poorly. Mm-hmm. But, if I'm honest, mm-hmm. that is not the, the gut instinct. Mm. Yeah. When I think of it compared to what we have seen so far, if they were the only ones I could watch again, which would be the one that I would pick first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh... Mm-hmm. I mean, seventh is die another day, <laughs> but I'd have to toss a coin when it came to Doctor No and Goldfinger. <sighs> the others I found way more enjoyable. Yeah, I there is not. This is the tricky thing with Goldfinger. There's not much to fault with it. No, there's and, not. And and I salute it for its um, for its pioneering mm-hmm. of everything mm. we've talked about before with that Bond formula. Mm-hmm. It has a couple of missteps, but they're missteps of the time. And it's like we say, you have to judge them by the time in which they were made. Yeah. And so for that time, that's, that, that's just where we were. So it's, it's unfair to judge it by today's standards in, in some regards. Sure. But in terms of me living in the time that I live in, is it the film that I want to go to the most? No. No, I don't think it is. Uh, there's great performances. I'm, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm coming around to the view that Sean Connery might not be all he's cracked up to be. <laughs> it's unfortunate. It is unfortunate. I it think feels 15 like... years ago you couldn't have gotten away with or justified this feeling. Yeah. But I think now... Because I think oh. Timothy Dalton does the dark hard, brutal edge that Connery gets, mm. but still finds a, a human edge to it. Mm. And I think Daniel Craig does the same as well. Absolutely. And then if you're not into that, and you want campy, go Pierce or Roger. Mm. Whereas Connery, there's an element of like, go all. Let's raise his grandpa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit like, well, he's a war hero, but... <laughs> Uh, look. Oh, I can't believe I'm about to do this. Oh. It's a shaken. Yeah. Because it's not a bad Bond film. Of course. I'll watch it again. Yep. Oh, shit. I can't believe I'm about to say this. It's a shaken six. Oh. It's a shaken six. Welcome to the club. Yeah, yeah. Yikes. It's just a shaken for me. Yeah. Yeah, see, I was on the fence. Yeah, 
Yeah. You're right. I, I don't have that same get out of my seat enjoyable thing. We weren't checking in with each other being like, oh, oh no, we weren't. Oh. As much as, as we much. have done, right? We were very much like, oh, what snack am I going to have now? Do I want to get caramel <laughs> popcorn or butter popcorn? I'll get the butter popcorn. Now I'll have a curly whirly. Oh, oh great. I'll jump on, but I'll, maybe I'll have a milk <laughs> there, James. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't raise my martini glasses as many no, times. No, usually you have. do toast the screen a number of times. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's only like two moments where I was like, yeah. where I felt comfortable <laughs> joining in. Oh, it's oh, he, the hat's it's out. reaching time. for the fedora. He's grabbed the 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 Stetson. Stetson. Now oh, I'm grabbing. This is my favorite part. <laughs> I'm grabbing. The, uh, the new dice set, this Ooh. lovely wooden and brass oh, dice yes. set. I'll grab a die out of there. All right, gentlemen, now I'm lifting the hat above give my him, head. Give him a shake because I've seen... Oh, he's dropped his oh, papers. Oh, he's dropped his oh, notes. He spilled it everywhere. Darby is drawing first, mm, dear listeners. Bad juju. Oh, bad oh. juju, he says. Mm. Get a grip, get a grip. Oh, he's got one, Jake. One. Jake is reaching in Ooh. to the steps and oh no, oh no, <laughs> oh no. Well, we, oh, who Darby, would die another day in here? Darby doesn't, doesn't have a good feeling. <laughs> Darby, if you could hold the Stetson up for me as I reach into the thing. I still haven't won one of these dice rolls yet either, no, I must the only say. Alright, I've Ooh. picked one. Oh, okay, okay, okay. This Ooh, he this had the is, most uh, favourable reaction. This yeah. could be positive. All right. Um, order in which we drew, Darby, pick a number. Oh, uh, don't we announce our our? Uh, oh, we do. We yes, do. We, announce. we do. Oh, we announce. Oh, yes, we do. Yes, that's right. <laughs> well, I picked a Rodgy. Ooh. Oh. Has anyone else picked a Rodgy? I've picked a Rodgy. Oh, okay. I well, haven't. my Rodgy is. Moonraker. Oh, right. Okay, that's okay. an adventure. Would you like to know what my Rodgy is? I would. My Rodgy is a view to a kid. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Jake, <laughs> questionable up. Jake, you always pick the worst, the ones. bad ones. Well, I've got a Sean Connery. Oh, all right, all right. And my Sean Connery is. You only oh. live twice. Oh, we got a we got a mixed bunch. This, this is, <laughs> right. it is. Okay. These are we've picked. These are the reject apples. Well, these are three of the <laughs> campiest bonds that there are. Right, we'll go and camp. In fact, Jake, I think you've picked the campiest. Uh, Darby, pick a number between one and six. Oh goodness. Um, two. Two. Oh. Well, I'll oh. have to go six. Six? I'll go three. Four. One. Five. Two and four. One and six. Three and five. Mm. I'll be doing the roll of the oh. die this time. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, God be kind. Three! It's another Connery. You oh, only oh, live twice. Oh, oh alright. Oh. Well, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Connery, step right up. We will be joining you next time for episode 008 of Trey Bond, and we'll be watching 1967's You Only